I brought you here today, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson. Just in yes, case you right. forgot, you're listening to Hyphenation, the Barack Obama approved world's greatest podcast. <laughs> um, on uh, July the 18th, I believe, will be the 10th anniversary of Christopher Nolan's second film in his Batman trilogy, The Dark Knight. And we are here to talk about this landmark film, at least it was in 2008. We're here to talk about whether that film is still a landmark, like we once thought it was. Of course, you have diligently made all these topics with love and care and tenderness with your black ass <laughs> self. Thank you. And <laughs> you're welcome. And so I, I, we're going to sit here as I actually watch it on my TV. It's on mute, of course, but I've seen nice. it so many times. I know what's going on. Um, it, they, they're getting ready to go after Lau. So, okay. um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and your boy, uh, Aaron Eckhart, a.k.a. Uh, Harvey did just, just uh, snatch the gun away from that dude. He was uh, uh, cro- well, uh, not cross-referencing. He was in the court and cross-examining. Yeah. Cross-examining yeah. a dude and dude pulls out a gun and Harvey just like disarms him like he's Batman and in the middle of the court. So, that's what we're here to talk about because it's 10 years and when I saw this film, I, I was blown away. And now when I think of this film, I still have warm feelings. But Marcus, does this does this movie still hold up? That's what we're here to find out. Yeah, man, we're going to get into that. So we're going to like talk about our initial reactions to The Dark Knight. And, you know, basically, you know, 10 years ago, how this movie basically changed the landscape of Hollywood and comic book movies in particular. And they're going to go, you know, look at the legacy and other actors and where it sort of holds in the, the Batman realm, so to speak. Yeah. Um, before we get into it, though, I do want to say this episode, as all Hyphen Nation episodes are brought to you by the Hyphen Podcast Group. Uh, that's that is my um podcast network that i run on with all this talent that i have including this gentleman marcus show mad love robinson now has a microphone uh shout out to eric and and to mike of isla pal it's like a podcast whatever congratulations to k rock on her pregnancy shout out to yes. lane and anthony and eric and uh eg from catch the show everybody doing the thing and, yes. as, and I also want to say this sh- this show hyphenation is brought to you by Mark Rob, the M A R C R O B dot WordPress dot com. That's your site where you drop insight when it's right all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I just want I wanted to say that. And then shout out to Radio Public. Y'all need to give me a sponsorship because I love y'all's app. <laughs> <laughs> Pay the man. I just got sent an email, man. I feel like I could get that if I just just explored it a little bit. I haven't had time to write the email. 
Yeah, man. I mean, sh- shit, man. If, when your lunch break, dropping a deuce, type that bad boy up, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be doing my lunch. I got to do it on the clock. I'm not going to give I'm not pooping for free. Okay. I hear that, man. Talk <laughs> um, have you have you tried the Radio Public app on on your iPhone, Marcus? Um, I have, and it's beautiful. Yes. It's super, <laughs> super easy to use, isn't it? Oh, very easy to use. Very, a lot of podcasts easy. available, uh, and I, I'm a big fan, but The Dark Knight, as Lau talks on his TV to this room full of gangsters <laughs> in front of me, <laughs> and Gary Oldman, before we, he was a, we found out he was Gary Oldman as oh, Christopher yeah. Gordon. Yeah. So what's up, Marcus? Let's do this. Dark Knight, 10 years. Cool, man. So I wanted to know, uh, you know, your initial thoughts the first time you saw the movie and, you know, what were your thoughts like going in and leaving the movie theaters and how do you think it changed your perspective on comic book movies and maybe even movies overall? Um, this, is a, this is only a short time after I saw Iron Man. And Iron Man uh, jumped to the top of my comic book list. Like yeah. before, I would have said Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, X-Men 2 uh, were some of my favorites. But by the time when I watched Iron Man, I jumped to number one. Then Dark Knight came out. And the funny thing about Dark Knight is it's a Batman movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's a Joker movie. It's a Harvey Dent movie. Um. The Dark Knight is a superhero film, but when I watched it the first time, I felt like I had watched a film. It did not feel like I, obviously there's superheroes involved, but I thought the story was so in-depth and so well told that I had watched a great, great film, even outside of the fact that, even before you get into the fact that it's about a man dressed as a giant bat and a man dressed as a clown. I was so thoroughly impressed with this work, with this movie, and I I saw it twice in the theaters when it came out. But I was just blown away, and I loved it, loved every minute of it from start to finish when I first saw it. Yeah, man, I feel the same way. I think it's probably the first midnight movie I ever saw. Ooh, um, and nice. so I, I saw it in Morgantown. Um, I ran it at the at the mall, the Morgantown Mall movie theater. Oh yeah, and. It was like packed. It was like super packed. Um, saw a couple of people I knew. Uh, shout out to Greg Flynn. Saw Greg Flynn there. Oh, what up, uh, Greg? <laughs> Greg yeah, effects. Man. Yeah, man. So I just remember just being fully captivated, and I still remember, um, you know, the scene when the big rig flips over and oh, like the God. like the hair on my arm stood up, and I remember like. I remember it flipped, and then I flipped, and then I I looked at like my uh, I looked at the time, and I was like, "There's still like over an hour left of this movie, yo! Like, right? They're, like they're really gonna like give us everything." And because I remember like um, people were wondering if they're gonna do like the whole Two Face like in the movie or like say for mm-hmm. the sequel, and they just went full Two Face, man, and. Like two that. hours and thirty-two minutes. Yeah, man, that's it's seen in a movie, a midnight movie. Like it was a gamble. <laughs> it was a oh, definite yeah. gamble, but it totally paid off. Like I remember, even at the end, 
when Harvey is doing the last coin flips to see like who live and who dies. I remember like the like the strings and like everyone not knowing like yo is he really going to shoot this little kid? And mm-hmm. it was it was like so captivating. Yes. And I remember I saw it with a person who like wasn't in the comic book movies at all. Um they weren't in like even action movies at all. Uh but like she was a psych major and it was like we were just talking about just the dynamics and the morality of the movie and like everyone questioning, like what is right and what is wrong. And it, it really felt like it was the first time when a comic book movie just was not a comic book movie. Like you were actually thinking about real life situations and would you, would you blow the other boat up to save your life? Um, yeah. And it was, it was really the first time where it was just, it was an actual psychological thriller, but people just happened to be wearing masks and clown makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on initial viewings, like it was a very, very special movie. Like I, I knew the moment it came out, like it was my favorite movie ever. Like mm-hmm. that's how much I loved it. Yes. It, it, it was like, even now, like I have the sound off and I'm just, my eyes are glued to it. And I, I know my opinions have changed, but I, I just love this movie so much. I love the way it's structured. And Christopher Nolan, of course, who has the pedigree of Memento and Inception and uh, not, he didn't do Gravity. He did Interstellar. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, he has, of course, he did the, he did Batman Begins and he did Dark Knight Rises, which we're not going to talk about. But... Whoa, whoa, let's not slander Dark Knight Rises, buddy. Uh, well, hold on, let's, I, let's, let's keep it positive. Let's keep it on Dark Knight. Let's keep it positive. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't hate Dark Knight Rises. I don't. I don't hate Dark Knight Rises. Was it was it the ending that I had hoped for? No, but is it a good film and a watchable film? Yes, I want to say that. All right. Well, we'll talk about Dark Knight Rises later, but let's let's because <laughs> we're going to get totally sidetracked if we do, but. Let's stick on this. So yeah, uh, but Christopher I, Nolan did a great job on this film. Yeah, man. The, the and we're gonna actually well, we can even talk about it now. But I wanted to yeah. definitely pick your brain on Nolan because um, other than Spielberg, Nolan is one of my favorite directors. And people, I think it's weird because I think in the moment people love Nolan, especially for this movie, but then mm-hmm. over time he sort of um, he sort of waned in some people's eyes, but I think, because um, I wanted to know if you think that um, looking back on the movie, like, do you think Nolan is overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Because I think in this movie he understands scale and he, yes. under- he understands like environments are characters in movies too. So when you see Batman basically hang gliding in Hong Kong, like he understands like we can keep everything dark, but the light of the city is going to make this thing feel mammoth. And, you know, he, you know, he was, you know, had the genius idea of filming like all the action scenes and IMAX or IMAX cameras mm-hmm. when no one was ever doing that. And I remember watching the documentary movie 
And I believe at the time there were only like four IMAX cameras in existence. And during the film, he broke one. So, oh, damn. Yeah. So, I mean, shit could have went left real bad. But he understands that, like, we even in the opening scene where we're seeing guys uh, zip line from one building to another, we can do these large mammoth, uh, mammoth shots of what we're going to see as Gotham City. And then we can zoom in on these tiny bodies, like zipping from one building to the other. And he really understood, like, I think he understood environment. And I think he understands how, like, characters should look, especially in these action scenes. Yeah. And I think his vision is, I I think his ability to make things look beautiful and make things look big, I think that's actually kind of underrated. Um, now when it gets to the characters in some of the movies, like, I think, you know, that could be in a little bit of the overrated side, but I think his vision as director is, I think it's one of the best because did you ever see Dunkirk? Uh, no, I've not seen Dunkirk yet. I think Dunkirk is the best example of how no one is great because it's basically a movie about... Um, this is like a World War II movie, but it's mm-hmm. not from like it's from like this um, incident from uh, from like the British perspective. And I don't want to like spoil it for you, but you're following like, a lot of action, like a lot of like moving high, pieces. Yeah, like a lot of moving pieces. And in the movie, there are no actual characters. I mean, there are characters, but. There's no like real sort of like like lengthy dialogue that you have to like really be concerned about, but you're really engrossed in the action and these people's survival from like incident to incident and battle to battle, so to speak. So I think Dunkirk really is sort of how Nolan understands what action is and he understands how to film it. And Dark Knight really was sort of like the first marriage of both. Um, because even like the, I, I didn't even watch Batman Begins when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I didn't see it until like that, like um, Thanksgiving break or whatever. Okay. Um, but I think he elevated the aesthetic of everything after, you know, with Dark Knight, he elevated his old game with Dark Knight. I'd say it's definitely, um, Peak Nolan, and I, I sound like Bill Simmons because I've been listening to a lot of Bill Simmons podcasts. <laughs> um, Apex but, Mountain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Apex Mountain. Uh, is he? I think. Uh, I don't think he's overrated. I'm never going to say that about Nolan. He made Memento, and Memento is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say he's properly rated. I think, I think he gets a lot of crap. I, yeah. I think people take the Batman trilogy out on him unfairly, even though one of the movies is is was flawless when it was released. Yeah. Um, I think some of his recent films, some people have went in with higher expectations than needed, and then came out with their feelings hurt. Um, not yeah. Dunkirk, but I'm thinking of in, um, Interstellar and. Yeah. And things like that. Inception is a brilliant movie alone. 
Didn't yeah. he do what was the movie with the with the magicians? Am Prestige. I thinking about the right? Yes, Prestige. Yes, Prestige. That that's another great film that doesn't get enough credit. He's properly ranked. He's definitely one of the top ten film directors out there doing it right now. Um, and I think the fact that DC got him to do three superhero films is amazing because. I mean, he started out of, he started filming Batman Begins, I guess, in 04. It came out in 05. The last mm-hmm. one came out, Dark Knight Rises, came out in 12. That's yeah. seven years of his life that was on this trilogy with what he could squeeze in in between. So I'd say that I think he's properly ranked, and he deserves all the credit that he's gotten so far in his career. Yeah, man. Because speaking of Apex Mountain, between... This is a three-year run for Nolan. In 05, Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. 06, Prestige. 08, Dark Knight Rises. Like, that's... That's, that's three that's, championships in four years. That's Warriors that's, territory right there. That, that is the Warriors territory, man. And within, with Inception, I thought Inception was great. But I think that's when people first started to get off of the, the Nolan trend a little bit because the story, I don't think the story is convoluted, in my opinion. I just think it's no. very complicated. And a it lot is. of people just didn't really want to try, I guess. And so I actually, I watched a little bit of Inception the other night and um, it's, I still love it a lot. And yeah. I, I had weird dreams for like two weeks in a row when I first saw Inception. Like, mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but yeah, I think I think I think overall I agree. I think Nolan is properly rated. Like I said, I think there are things that from him are a little bit overrated, but I do think there's some things of stuff that are that are underrated too. Um, so yeah, I think that this is definitely Apex Nolan. Um, I mean, he he gave us a movie a decade later that, like you said, like it it has shaped you know it has shaped Hollywood. Like not a mm-hmm. lot of people can really say that. Like I love Spielberg and he has moments where he's definitely shaped Hollywood. Um, and even like someone like Ryan Coogler, like he's having a moment that could potentially shape Hollywood and dark Knight rises like that. That is a moment in time where we're going to look back and especially cause like I said, I didn't watch the Batman begins when it first came out because the Batman sequels were terrible. Like I didn't like Batman and Robin. I didn't like Batman forever. And like, I thought Batman begins was going to be another joke, but you know, he did a, he did a very, very strong movie, mm-hmm. but then dark Knight, dark Knight, you know, it just hit it out the park. Oh, a hundred percent. Sidebar should, should Leonardo DiCaprio have been nominated for something for inception? Um, mm, eh, it's a toughie. It, uh, I'm leaning toward no, but hold on. So, what do you think he should have been? No, yeah, I think he was great in it. <laughs> yeah, he but was. But I'm just wondering because we all know how uh, Leo's Academy Award history is going. Oh, yeah. um, how he got his, his pity one for the wrong movie and. For the revenant. The f- so the, the funny thing is, 
Hardy should have gotten that old. <laughs> Hardy should have. Everybody said he, Hardy was better than him in that movie. He, I mean, shit. That's it's not a lie, man. It's totally not a lie. <laughs> so, like, I mean, because that's not even. I think Inception overall is, you know, a, a, a really, really good movie. But top five Leo movies. I mean, because I would take. In no order, I would take Wall Street. I would yes. I would take Departed. Um, I would take Catch Me If You Can. I would take Good with Great. I would take Titanic. I would take I would take Romeo and Juliet over his. I mean, Romeo and Juliet. That's a fucking phenomenal movie that people people shitted on back then. But we're so. So yeah, I think as far as Leo performances, it made me like number six or seven. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I don't think you should. Or... No, I don't think you should have been nominated either. I just thought I'd throw it out there because because you mentioned it or mentioned we're talking about Inception. And I was like, let me just let me just start it out there. Oh, and you so... can't forget about Django either. He was great in Django. I no think... nomination for Django. Uh yeah, I think his. He was definitely better in Django than Inception. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, all right. So, for The Dark Knight, like I said, we agree that uh, Nolan's place in history is properly rated. Um, but let's stick with a little bit of, because um, oh, we're talking about Leo, let's stick with a little bit of actors. I want to talk about this really quick. Um, Katie Holmes not being in Dark Knight Rises, like... I remember a lot of speculation, especially around a time, which I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it's totally sexist, but people were <laughs> saying Katie Holmes was too beautiful to be blown up in the Dark Knight Rises. Oh wow! <laughs> um, you don't remember that? Like that was a theory. No, I didn't hear that. No, it's, that's it's awful. A, and and just to you know, be clear, it's a totally sexist theory that. Marcus Robinson and Kellen Conley do not agree with. No, <laughs> but, man. But yeah, man. Was, wow. I, I always thought she didn't do it because that's when she was a cruise, and I thought Scientology was keeping her out of her movies, certain roles, and I, I literally thought it was because of her relationship with Tom Cruise why she didn't do the sequel. Like, so she's never confirmed why she never did it. Like, it was a lot of like double talk, basically. But, and oh, wait, she did a movie called. Mad Money with Diane Keaton and Queen Latifah. What? <laughs> yes. I can't make this shit up, man. <laughs> it only made, it cost like $22 million to make. It only made $26 million. The The New York Post said it was the third worst movie of 2008. <laughs> so, oh so, my God. Yeah, man. So, like there has to be some reason why Katie Holmes didn't do it, but I mean Maggie Gyllenhaal, she's a better actress than Katie Holmes, like bar none. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I actually had a, a small crush on Maggie Gyllenhaal, probably around this era, probably because yeah. of a little film called Secretary. I don't know if you ever watched it, but I have not. What is that about? <laughs> All right. Well, oh, it's one. It's one of the Skinamax movies. <laughs> No, ugh, the premise is kind of skinamaxy, but it's 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 art house. Art okay. House, so, okay. so Maggie Gyllenhaal 
is secretary to Ultron, better known as James Spader. <laughs> yeah. And literally, um, they have this, it's almost, I'm not even going to put, put that in that category. They have this weird relationship where, um, I mean, work relationship that develops into real feelings, but it's very BDSM based. I mean, and I, I'm looking at the movie poster, and yeah, yeah, it, it's very, it's a very sexual film. I saw it at a young age, and I was like, I like Maggie Gyllenhaal, Hilarious. and I just always had a crush on her. And then she ended up Dark Knight, and I was like, Oh man, Maggie Gyllenhaal in a movie where she's not being a sexual object. I'm, I'm going to definitely check that out. Hey. And then I found out she could actually act. Oh shit! God damn. <laughs> I mean, well, this James Spader is the dom and she's the sub. Yes, dude. Yes. That is a hell of a premise, man. And I'll tell you what, though. I actually, I, I mean, I heard about this one, like, I ran across the internet when, like, in the early 2000s and heard of this movie. But then I watched it a few years ago again and actually watched the whole film. The movie is good. It's weird because obviously <laughs> the content, and it's not something I'd be like, Huh, I have nothing to do. Let me watch Secretary. No. But if Secretary came on and I had the time and I had no Aaliyah around, I would definitely watch Secretary because that's a good film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, buddy. <laughs> but I- I'm just saying, but I'm just saying, though, that they definitely upgraded Katie Holmes to um, Hall because when I first saw Batman Begins, Katie Holmes was fine in the movie. I, I thought she was all right as Rachel. Yeah. But the whole time, like, when I think Katie Holmes, I think Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I, and that's, I love that's Dawson's Creek. Oh, I Creek. see. Yes. I do, too. Yes. Ed put me on to Dawson's Creek. Well, shout, out to, yo, shout out to Big Money Ed, though. Like, I know. And guess who? And he just told me the other day that, that he's having a kid. Oh, So shout shit. out to him. Yeah, man. Yes, man. Y'all not wrapping it up. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh wow. That was wild. <laughs> that was a hot ass take, courtesy of Marcus a, Robinson. That was a hot ass take, man. Nobody wrapping it up anymore, man. <laughs> That's funny, man. <laughs> Yo, okay, so st- staying on the the um staying on the casting what ifs. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, the rewatchables. Casting What If in 2005, Nolan actually approached Heath Ledger to be Batman. Really? Yes, he turned it down. I did not know that. Like, I, I listened to the Dark Knight rewatchables, and I must, did they say that on that episode? I don't think so. I, I like, I was okay, like, I didn't, because I, I would have thought I would remember that. That is. Wow. Now, now, I think I think Joker is iconic because Heath Ledger is a really fucking great actor. Who can, I can't even imagine what this would be with him. Like, I think he's a better. Like, he definitely, you know, God bless his soul. He was definitely a better actor than Christian Bale, in my opinion. So the thing is, though, if he plays. If he plays um, Bruce Wayne and begins, and who's going to be Joker though? Like that's like that's a really big ass what if, man. Mm. Like I mean, there's I mean when I found that out, there's only two what ifs I I 
will take to my grave. Like, what if Lynn Bias had not overdosed? And oh was, God! And what if? What if? What if? Um, Ledger was Batman. The in the ends. Like, wow. Yeah, man. That's that's a hell of a ass. That's that a that's a really strong ass what if in Hollywood, man. You, you know what, Marcus? I'm going to give you a hot ass take. Okay. I don't think Batman Begins works with Ledger as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of leaning toward that, but. Well, tell me why. I know he has the chops. I I know he has the chops. Yeah. I know he does. But I'm just, I'm looking at Bale right now as Bruce Wayne. Like, they're at the party and and Rachel just went in to go in with Harvey and all this. Yeah. I'm looking at that role and I'm thinking about the, the scenes from the first movie and everything. I... And I'm trying. I'm putting Heath Ledger, like not Joker Ledger, but just normal Heath Ledger. Yeah. In, in his place. Because you got to think this <sighs> is that like that's around the time Brokeback Mountain. And I so know. He, he acts. He's like going into his apex then. So. Wow. Yeah, um, man. God, I. Th- I think the movie would be fine. I think they could get through Batman Begins, but I don't know if Ledger would have been able to carry the franchise. I think the movie would have been fine. I think people would have liked it, but I don't... He doesn't scream Bruce Wayne. Like, the Batman scenes, I think he would have totally killed. Yeah. I think he would have methoded his way into becoming the Dark Knight, literally. And it would have been phenomenal for those scenes. But the scenes where he had to not, when he had to be Bruce, while he has the looks, I just don't feel like he has the charisma to pull it off like Bill did. And I feel like he would do the one, and then we'd have a situation where he might not come back for the second one, and they are rebooting the series after the first one. You know what? I agree. And you know what it is? Because even Bell. He's not, he had like American Psycho uh, five years prior, and that mm-hmm. was like a cult classic or whatever. Oh, yeah. But he's not really like, really like an American name, like people are gonna really know. But Ledger, like, I mean, he was a legend from 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, so, classic. Classic. Yeah, so, so I think. You know, he had that, and he had, like, a, other, like, slew of movies that, you know, people knew him from. But I do think it's, I think it, I think Nolan did get it right getting, um, getting Bale as Batman because it's a fresh face. It's not George Clooney or Val Kilmer trying to be Batman. It's, um, you know, it's this relatively young guy who doesn't have, like, you know, he doesn't have really anything. He has sort of a clean slate. And so it's really easy to build up on him. Um, whereas Heath Ledger, like, he's dragging, not necessarily in a bad way, but he has, like, a lot of, he has a lot of movies behind him. So maybe that, like, you know, it kind of fucks up the expectations. Because like I said, like, I, I would, no one, I think overall people were so sour on, like, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever that no one even, 
initially gave beginnings a chance for the most part. Batman well, I went in with low expectations. I think that's why it, it, I think that helped it do so well critically. Yeah. Because you're coming off of Batman and Robin and Batman Forever, even though I, I for some reason, still like Batman Forever. Um, I, no one thought there would be a good Batman film despite the names attached to the film. And then when it turned out to be good, it was a pleasant surprise that it just started making money. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. Like, cause I remember I was on, I was on my friend's couch, like waiting for her to get off work and Batman began just happened to be there and I was bored as fuck. And so I said, fuck it. I'll just watch it. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was mad that I never saw it in theaters. Like it was that good. Yeah, I saw it in theaters, and yeah. it, it was it was a hell of a ride, man. Like the the difference between Begins and Dark Knight, Begins felt like a Batman superhero movie. Dark Knight does not feel like a superhero movie. It feels it like a, a art noir. It feels like a noir film with superheroes in it. Yeah, man. I think the genius of, I think the reason that I love Batman so much. And the genius of these films is I think Batman more than like a lot of other comic book movies, we're actually invested in the villains a pretty significant deal. I mean, because the Joker is basically the mirror opposite of Batman. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important that they really did build that foundation and begins of Batman on his own. But then Dark Knight comes out and Heath Ledger, the Joker, he's equally as important as Batman is in this movie. And it's equally important that you see how Harvey becomes Two-Face. Mm-hmm. And you know, you don't really get that sort of you don't get the satisfaction overall in the movie if they're just like just these plastic 2D people that you know, 2D villains that you don't really care what their motives are. They just like do bad things. You want them to be stopped. And, and so I think that's why, I think that's why we really sort of, it's interesting to see Harvey's arc in this movie where we see he's an actual do getter and we see that, you know, Batman does want to pass all the reins to him, but you know, madness is like gravity. It just needs a push and you know he becomes two-faced and like completely you know vindictive and you know evil in a sense and so so yeah like i think that you know begins does lay the foundation and you're right begins is definitely more the classic you know origin story of the hero where you know the true villain you know raz al ghul we only see him in certain pockets of the movie Right. Um, and, you know, you get a little bit of Scarecrow in there, but, you know, Batman is the important, you know, it's Batman Begins, you know, <laughs> like he is the important vehicle of that movie. Um, but the Dark Knight, you know, Joker is, a, you know, maniac. Uh, <laughs> he is, you know, anarchist, like he is the driving force as to why Batman needs to rise to the occasion. And so... You get the wildness of the Joker, but you get the the base sanity and the the loveliness of of Bruce Wayne and Batman. So 
It's a perfect marriage. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm watching the movie. I'm sorry. I heard what you were saying. But uh, <laughs> he, just, he just saved uh, Rachel from the building. Like Joker just threw out, her wind- out the window. But yeah. I, I agree that Bale and Ledger were the perfect counterparts to each other. Because without their two performances, if you take one of them out, the, the film doesn't work. It, yeah. it just does it. Like, and I'm, I'm going to pause this because I'm really watching, <laughs> watching this movie like <laughs> super hard. Um, and, and, I, and I was going to come on here and be like, oh, it doesn't hold up. But that, that's a complete lie. It still holds up. <laughs> uh, it, it totally holds up. Man. It's to, it does hold up. It, um, but Ledger's Batman, I, I'm glad that's not what we got. I'm glad we got him as Joker, even though we ultimately lost him possibly because of the joker yeah man um it's definitely definitely sad like um you know people i mean people it was ruled like a accidental overdose and i i hope it was but i mean at the same time like you know it it's kind of chilling that you know this character is his last acting role and Mm -hmm. but i think it's fitting you know tragic you know as it is i think it's fitting that he i mean he gave one of the greatest you know performances of you know of any sort of like antagonist and and like american cinema history just from this you know one performance and his legacy you know it's it's great that his legacy just isn't this movie um, like I said, I love 10 Things I Hate About You, and people love Brokeback Mountain, and hell, like people even love <laughs> that Civil War movie he did with Mel Gibson. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, um, so, um, so yeah, uh, First Night or something like that? Uh, yeah, for, uh, I was getting First Night. The pa- and The Patriots. A lot of people love, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people yeah. love it, love those movies, too. Yeah. Um, the he, random fact he uh he passed away on my 25th birthday <laughs> no yeah he did january 22nd oh damn that's wild yeah man i know so Shit. so me and heath ledger have this weird connection forever now <laughs> yeah man i mean these man. things happen yeah man life life unfortunately is trash sometimes no yeah we, that's all Twitter is most of the time is trash things. So, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. But, every now and oh, then yeah. I see the light, but most of the time tra- Twitter is full of trash. Um, <laughs> it is. It really is. So, man, I'm going to let you keep rolling with these questions because they're yeah. so good. And, and we haven't even really gotten to the Ledger's performance. I guess we're, we're going to save that for the for Nicholson ledger question so yeah man um well sure i mean if you want to get into it right now we can get into it right now okay so Um, so the question on the table according to your topics is the better joker heath ledger or jack nicholson i'll let you take that one first marcus okay so my the first one of the first movies ever that was my favorite movie ever was the og batman Mm-hmm. Um, 89 I, I, yeah I had the VHS I still remember the Coke commercial 
with uh with a with a Batmobile whizzing home to Alfred to get to get some Coke. Well, Coca Cola, yep. not cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I and I think to this day I still remove I still remember that movie basically verbatim. Yeah. And shot for shot. Yeah, and the Batman soundtrack, you know, Prince made like that's still phenomenal. Bad day. Um, I listen to that. Um, what's that one song? Something about the rings of Saturn or something. I love that song. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think it's the right title, but it's definitely on the iPod, getting play every now and then. Yeah. So, so yeah. Like I think everything is just that entire movie is just all encompassing, and I think I mean we're going back. You know, like I said, like the Joker is a perfect mirror of the Batman and the zaniness and the psychoticness of Jack Nicholson, he definitely mirrored the broody, you know, depression depression that Michael Keaton had as Batman. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Jack was phenomenal. Um but I think Legend took it to another level. Like and I think it's genius that he played it he played it more of the killing joke style than like the Jack Nicholson style. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to go with Ledger on this one. I think Ledger was just unstoppable in this movie. Uh, right after Dark Knight came out, it was no question I was going to say Ledger. And to this day, I'll still say Ledger is the better Joker. Um, like you said, it's definitely the, the nuance that, jo- that he played Joker with. Uh, the style, the the whole ticks with the, the licking of the lips and the the swallowing and the the way he walked and just everything about his character embodied embodied the, who we always thought the Joker to be from from the Batman comics when we had the when we had the best version of Joker in the comic books that's what Heath Ledger brought to the screen in the Dark Knight. With that said, though. I don't want to take anything away from Jack's performance, just like you. Jack did a great job, considering he was going off of the Cesar Romero performances from the Adam West series, and then yeah. going for the more comical stuff of the more goofier Batman stuff. But at the same time, when he got serious in that first film, I, I felt fear as a child. And when yeah. I watch it now, I, f- I-, I still feel that, feel that same fear coming from that character it's like yeah it's all goofy and smiles and i'm trying to sell toys and get this merchandise cut that i signed but at the same time he played a hell of a joker too and it's just like it's it it's the same thing with comparing nba talent to different eras of course it's two different films two different time time spaces they each stand alone on their own, but if you have to seriously put them up against each other, you got to put Ledger above. Um, got to put Ledger above Nicholson. I have to agree. Yeah, man, and I think it is like you said. Like he, uh, Jack was throwing it back to like you know the Adam West uh, that that era of where you know even look at his like you know his, his costume like he's flamboyant. He has like. You know the lime green hair. Uh, he has a you know the flower that shoots the acid. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, like it was definitely. I mean, coming out the you know the eighties into the nineties. I mean, even though that movie is pretty dark, like that was still sort of like a brighter time anyway. So oh, yeah. it fit the era of just the aesthetic of like the eighties. Um, but it is interesting how you know, like post nine eleven, like this Joker, like he he couldn't he couldn't have been that have been taken seriously, right. like. He had to be the. We're going to question all morals, and I'm going to make you question your morals, even though they're right. I'm still going to make you question your morals. I want to be about no rules. I want to be about you know just complete you know mayhem, and so I think both jokers were were a reflection of the time in a sense, um, and so that's why they had to be different. I mean. The 80s and the you know everything after 9/11 like those, I mean that's like night and day the difference. So, so yeah, I think that they really sort of played into the time, and I think that they really maximized the the Joker characters in like the best opposite way. So I don't think they're, I mean, fucking Jared Leto tried and he uh. had. He had like thug like I finally watched Suicide on. Squad and I saw most of the Joker parts and I was like, what the fuck is this shit? I hated yeah. it. I knew I he, hated it. I knew it was, I didn't even watch it. I knew it was gonna be terrible when he had grills and a, a fucking thug life tattoo. I yeah. know. Like absolutely not. That, that's not how the, any of this works. <laughs> yeah, man. Like it, it's pretty bad when um, I thought Margot Robbie actually was really good as Harley. And to have a strong Harley like that finally on screen and to, one, put her in a movie like Suicide Squad and then, two, put her beside a whack-ass Joker is just such disrespect to her character and all the work she put into it. Yeah. I mean, because she's getting her own movie. She's getting her own. Yeah, so, I mean... I'm excited I, to see where that goes, but it's DC, so bated breath. <laughs> oh yeah, so I mean they, I mean you know they handle Wonder Woman very well. They're they're actually filming. They were filming parts of the new Wonder Woman in DC like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, um, I saw some photos. Yeah, so I mean I think if they take the same sort of realm where they're letting women, they're letting women actually like captain the ship. I think it could work, um, but I mean, it's uh, it's Pat, still DC. Didn't Pat Jenkins do the first one? Uh, Wonder Woman, yeah, yeah, and, and she's on the second one too, right? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, she is. I hope. Okay, she is. good, good. I thought so too. Yeah, Can't mess I'm up that man. formula. That's the only thing that's really working for DC right now. Um, <laughs> random, random Batman fact. They did on Batman fact. Oh, and another point I wanted to say: a lot of um, of friends of mine that are older than me, like say in their, their late forties, early fifties, have always said that their major superhero on film moment was seeing Christopher Reeve fly in seventy seven's Superman. Yeah. Um, I feel like a major moment for our age, for our our era was seeing Michael Keaton as Batman in Batman 89. Mm, yes. Yeah. So I, I always feel like not only did that revitalize the superhero movies for the early 90s until ultimately Batman killed the franchise, the genre again, but 
it, it also just it just opened up a whole new world of of kids to the medium of superheroes as well. And I thought that was extremely important. And I think Batman um, Begins did the same thing in 2005. And definitely Dark Knight had the same effect uh, three years later, uh, even a bigger effect. Because as much as as much as I say this is a great film, that merchandise was flying out the door, and yeah. you know it was. And this film uh-huh. is dark. Like I can't imagine taking a kid to see this movie. Yeah, I mean, and that that was a sort of debate too. Like I mean, it just it it wasn't it wasn't family friendly. Like no. like it wasn't like. Oh, we're gonna, you know, stop this, you know, bomb from blowing up, and everyone's gonna be super happy. Like, you left that movie like questioning humanity. Yeah, <laughs> like, a lot of kids, everybody turned on Batman. Yeah, thinking that he that he uh, killed uh, Harvey Dent. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what Batman wanted, but still. Yeah. It, it, it I, 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 I just had this another thought. Um with the popularity of R-rated superhero films, thanks to Deadpool and Logan, what if we got, what if we got an R-rated Nolan verse Batman film? How do you think that would have fared? Do you think it would have been too much, or do you think, or you think it would have worked? Um, I mean, like not so much. Let's do it this like this year, but if they were able to finish it off with an R rating for for uh rises possibly well i don't know if you noticed but joker killed a lot of black people in this movie yes he did i just saw him do it (laughs) and there i think there's six black people in the entire movie and the only black man that lives is morgan freeman freeman and Mm -hmm. everyone else is basically killed by the joker and he kills them in these different varied ways like um, but the thing about this movie is you don't really see blood. Actually, you don't see blood yeah. at all in this movie. So, like, whenever he shoots that cop with the, with the sawed-off shotgun, like, in an R-rated film, you probably see the guy get blown, you know, the fuck back or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... Because the funny thing is, Nolan doesn't even... I think that's sort of a thing with Nolan. He doesn't do gore. No, so, he doesn't. So I think with him, I don't know. I think he wouldn't have been, I guess, I don't know if he even would have really been comfortable with even doing gore or already like Batman film. So I think that let's say, you know, DC pushes it to be like, Oh, like the, you know, Logan and he just steps away from it. And I think you have a completely different movie after that. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, the funny thing is, like, if you just put blood in the movie, it probably becomes R-rated. So, like, when they might have had to trim some of it down, honestly, to get it to PG thirteen, because so much is going on. Yeah, and so if um, if let's say whenever he kills Gamble, like you didn't even like, what does he even really do? Does he? How does he even kill Gamble? You just see Michael Jai White just like kill over and right like he could have just you know like cut his cheek like did he, did he cut a main artery in his cheekbone like so we don't know yeah so but let's say if you just show the joker like basically slitting his throat and you see 
the guy like like I said, like getting his chest blown away. Like that that becomes immediately R rated. And then if it's R rated, you know, that probably steers away the actual it could even like deter people from watching a movie because because it's PG. I mean, we'll be real, like no movie theater, if it's PG, they're actually calling little kids or whatever. So virtually everyone can go see the PG thirteen movie. But if it's R rated and you know, that's when, you know, kids can't cut school to watch the movie. Well, yeah. I mean, it was a summer, but um so yeah, man, I mean, if it's rated R, like I think you know, it could have a lot of sort of unforeseen circumstances. And I think it's, I think even though there's some moments that you could use the rated R in this, um, I think it's fine just um, with it just being a PG movie. Yeah, I think so too. Like I said, it was just a, it was just a random thought that I came up with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my other Batman fact before we go ahead. Did you know that Prince dated Kim Basinger? I feel like I heard that, but I forgot, honestly. So I did not know that until a few years ago. And there actually is a song on from the Batman soundtrack, um, Scandalous. Oh, I it's love a, it's Scandalous. A, it's a dope ballad. But yeah. when Prince put out the single, he put out like a, a four-song single. One of the singles on there is called Scandalous Sex Suite, and it features live sex that he was having with Kim Basinger in the booth on this song. Jesus Christ. I know live noises from her. And then that also led to their, them having a relationship. Of course, he actually produced an album for her, which you can hear on YouTube that's produced entirely by Prince. And then they had some ugly breakup and that was that they were like done, like not even six months after he rapped the soundtrack. I mean, all thanks to Batman. <laughs> shit, I mean, Prince gave like Apollonia a career. He tried. Oh, I do remember that. Yes, I remember. I remember this shit now. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's Kim fucking Basinger. Like what? She, like no one wants to hear music from her. Like come on now, Prince. No. Prince really tried to work miracles with that. That's that's fucking funny. I actually listened to one of the songs and I got like halfway through it. I was like, yeah, this ain't for me. She can't oh, sing. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. Prince tried, though. You're a better man than I am. I wouldn't have listened to that shit at all. <laughs> I was bored one day. So back to the movie. <laughs> right, your, your girl, Rachel, Rachel Dawes, she, she just was talking to Bruce. And this is after Gordon got killed and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're at Bruce's uh, his condo, his apartment since Wayne Manor got blown up. Yeah. In the previous movie, Dirty Mackin, like, yeah, yeah, and he like he she's just like making out with him and giving him all this hope and stuff. Like she let him on so badly. I mean, I know that she went to Alfred and told her his, her real feelings and gave him the letter about I choose uh, Harvey over you, Bruce. But like this whole movie, it's been like her and Harvey, and then all of a sudden, first time her and Bruce get alone, Bruce is like slobbing her down. I'm like, damn. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, don't you think about it, Alfred? Oh goodness. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a tour triangle with uh, 
with one person not being honest about their feelings. So the fun, I don't, I don't know if she really led Bruce on, but it's like, if you're not telling them the truth, I mean, that's, that is in a sense, just leading them on. And yeah, I mean, she knew that. Cause even when, um, I mean, not even one, like the entire movie, she knew that, um, she wanted to be with Harvey and that he wanted to marry her and she was considering it. And so even when she knew that when she wrote that letter and, you know, when, you know, Bruce was like making out with her, when she said, they're not going to let us be together. She really should have said, I'm, I'm not going to be with you. I want to be with Harvey. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, I think she definitely has some responsibility in being honest with them. Yeah. Because, I mean, if we're being real about Bruce, like, this is a guy who, in, in this movie especially, like, he never works out his feelings. Like, he, no. never, he never worked out the trauma with his parents dying. Like, he never addressed that. He, he you know, he sort of clung to this woman who wasn't they weren't even in a relationship he basically clung on to the idea of their relationship and (laughs) i never noticed this how they joke in the movie about him not being well adjusted like in the beginning in the beginning when um he's fighting like scarecrow and he's like I don't need help. He's a scarecrow with a brilliant line, not in my diagnosis. And then at the party, when Harvey's talking to Alfred, and he's like, any psychotic ex-boyfriends I should know about? And, and Alfred's like, oh, you have no idea. Like, right. it's jokes, but he is, he is a person who's dealt, who's not dealt with this grave depression of, you know, his parents getting killed. And... Mm-hmm. And being, you know, the sense of abandonment that he's had and his disdain for, you know, humanity in this in a certain way. So 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 yeah, I mean, I think she should have at least, you know, been honest with them and told him the truth. But I mean, this is a guy who needs a lot more than her. So Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And can can I just say that the one selfish thing that we really saw Bruce do in this movie was when Joker told him where they were located, it was Harvey and her. He yeah. was going to go get her. But yeah. Joker flipped the locations. And Bruce was so mad when he realized, I mean, obviously he knew what was going to happen at that point, that yeah. he had said that he was at Harvey. The one selfish thing he did the whole movie ultimately blew up in his face. Literally. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean Ah oh man, like that 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 scene's always so tough. Cause I mean, obviously, I mean when I first watched it and he's like, Oh well, she's here and he's there, I was like, Oh, he's gonna go with Rachel. For sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm literally expecting him to roll up on Rachel and something to happen to Harvey, and that's how he gets two faced. But then when he doesn't get to save her, man, it, it's 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 a tragedy that I wish um well not that I wish, but it's something that as far as Bruce's love life in the comic books, it's something that has never been there. That felt very Peter Parker esque to me. 
because yeah. obviously Spider-Man lost his girlfriend Gwen Stacy the Green Goblin. Um, but it, it was just such a tragedy to see him ultimately be foiled by his greatest foe just by simply switching the location. And then the thing was, like, I don't like he's he told Gordon he was going to get he was going one direction. Like, I, I don't know what if he had reversed it, if he had been selfless and went for Harvey. Like, could the G, could the Gotham PD have gotten to Rachel and Tom? I don't know. Like, like, did he, did he make the mistake because he thought he could do, do it on his own and wanted to go save her? It, 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 it's definitely a big what if, what if for me in the film. And it really shapes the rest of the movie and the final film to uh, his decision and his grief over that decision, I think. Yeah, because I, I don't think anyone in the theater expected her to blow up, man. Like, because no. I, I still remember when you know she's talking, and all of a sudden that her the light flashes and her hair goes, and it's like holy fuck, she's blown the fuck up. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, it's Nolan really Nolan <laughs> Nolan knew what the fuck to do, man. Like he knew how to how to break Harvey. I mean, and ultimately, I mean, it did it did break Batman in a sense. Like, I mean, the only person he has in his life is Alfred, and so, mm-hmm. I mean, but I mean, I love Alfred, but you know, the love that you have of a woman or the love you have of your actual parents, like, I mean, Alfred is basically his his caretaker and his best friend, but yeah, it's it's not going to replace that that type of love. So, yeah, it was. Like you, you really felt it when, um, when like the Joker was swinging in the police cars, and then you see like Batman standing on top of the rubble, mm-hmm. and like it's like <laughs> it's so wild. Like just seeing the Joker just swing, the Joker, <laughs> Joker like, triumph. Yeah, and so it's like holy shit! Like this movie, this movie. It's not gonna give you the cookie cutter just sort of ending like we're gonna blow up we're gonna blow up love interests' main characters. And so yeah, man, like you're right. It definitely it definitely was a moment that was very tragic and I was definitely shocked when it happened. Yeah. Um for before we get back to the topics, I know we keep I keep sidetracking things. But uh, can we? Uh, what were your thoughts on Aaron Eckhart's performance as Harvey Dent slash Two Face and Gary Oldman as Jim Gordon? Uh well, Michael Michael Caine already knows was impeccable. He was a great Alfred. I had no problems with that until yeah. he, he he left Bruce in the third one. He's like, I can't take this anymore. I'm leaving, Master Bruce. And I was like, Oh fuck that, <laughs> Alfred. Even though he does do that in the comic books every now and then, I didn't I didn't enjoy that. In the third one, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, you know, Gary Oldman was kind of a jerk off, so we don't need to talk about him very much. But he was, <laughs> he was, he was good in the movies. Oh, yeah. the, the, yo, I was talking, I was telling Danielle this last night. Couldn't, couldn't Gordon just leave a note for his wife? Like, hey, I'm not really dead. Just play along. Wink. Oh wink. my god. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yo, do you remember? 
you 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 grew up watching Martin, right? Yeah. Do you remember when Broadman borrowed Martin's CD player? And at the end of the episode, he was like, I left the note up in the bathroom sink. <laughs> Gordon could have did that for her. Like, he could have left a, a random post. I know, man. In her underwear drawer. Like, look, I ain't really dead. Don't cry, all right? <laughs> like, he he let his wife and kids think his ass was dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> he he really like did. Terrible. And that that would be one of one of the flaws that I have with the movie is because like I understand they kind of did it to draw the Joker out, air quotes, yeah. to set up this meeting for Batman to take him down, and it worked. Actually, him, him and Joker are facing off right now. He wants Batman to run him over, and and poor Bruce can't do it, so he skids off in the Bat Pod. Um, I I just felt like. Like really, like how did nobody know this? Like Bruce knew it, right? Like Bruce is like the only one. Um, I, I don't even know if Bruce knew it. I don't think Bruce knew it. I think he just faked his death, and he couldn't tell anyone on like his squad because he knew that he had dirty people in his unit. So he didn't. Right. He. Um, <laughs> Oh my god, he he legit just faked his death. Just just to only I, get like to play in the Joker's hand. So I think Bruce knew it because Joker was getting ready to shoot Bruce and then then uh Commissioner Gordon just rolled up on him and he's like he just let Harvey out. He's like, We got him and now Harvey's at the press conference or whatever. He's like, Yeah, I'm not Batman, blah blah blah. I'm gonna go get blown up now. Nah, <laughs> so, nah I don't think he knew because he wouldn't have been at Whenever they tell Gordon's wife he's dead, he wouldn't have looked sad then. That's true. He he looked real. He looked real sad. Yeah. So yeah, because one 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 of the reasons besides the fact that Joker called him out to reveal who he was, like one of the reasons he shut down like the the backup Batcave was because he was planning on not being Batman for a while because of Gordon's death. Uh, yeah, that. That, yeah, that's why. Like he he was going to give up being Batman because he saw Gordon get killed, and he was like he didn't he couldn't stand by seeing more other people get killed, and then that's why. I mean, because you see it like he is about to turn himself in, but then um, Harvey, you know, he just says I'm the Batman, right? And hopes to smoke out the Joker. Um, but then at the end, Harvey he's surprised when Gordon's alive. So yeah, it's, it's a Harvey weird, had no idea. Like if, that's a big ass. I mean, that's a lot of lot of random parts coming together to make a a, a conclusion like cap, catching the Joker. Yeah, man. Like he Gordon, oh, he, he just went home to see his wife. He's he's walking in the door now. He's like, I'm sorry, I couldn't say. She slaps him. She like taps him though. She should have divorced this dumbass. Like no, no kidding, man. You no, know, like imagine just going home. Oh yeah, I'm not dead no more. Like <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Imagine Whoops. Gordon just saying my bad to his wife. Now he's now he's walking up on his kid. He's like, guess what, little Timmy? It was all a bad dream. Your daddy's here, man. That's some traumatic shit for your ass, man. That's I think of. Remember how early I was saying there's some stuff that that Nolan wrote that's kind of iffy. 
Yeah. That, that is definitely something that's very iffy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My man faked his he faked his death and just wore a SWAT mask for like three days in a row. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty much where did he go? That's what I want to know. He like hung where out, he, he just hang he, out in Gotham City Hotel. He was like, like he was like death becomes her. He just hung out in the morgue. Oh my god, he <laughs> until, might until it's time to reemerge. So wow. yeah, man. So uh we definitely talked a lot about this movie. Yeah. Um and so we did touch a little bit about um some of the missteps, um, you know, especially with the Gordon plot line or whatever. Um do you oh I never shit, I don't think we ever answered. Um as far as Two Face, do I mm-hmm. think that he was a good Two Face? I think he was. I think the the incline of his apex when he's like the goody two shoes. Well, not a goody two shoes, but he's someone that wants to be an actual do gooder. I think he actually played that pretty well, and I think the scene in the courtroom that you're talking about earlier. I think that was. I think he pulled it off like fairly well, and like. Harvey Dent has to be that type of person that, you know, he wants to stand up for justice, even if it's sort of in a naive sort of way. And I think he put it off very well. Yeah. Um, I think it is, and I think it's Two-Face, the final scene, like, your actor has to pull off that final scene where he's like, we thought that we could be decent men in an indecent time. And... I was on the edge of my seat that entire scene. And so he's, a, I mean, he's a third of that reason. Like he, like you really don't know. There's no tells. Like he acted phenomenally in that scene. And so I think he pulls off Two-Face pretty greatly. I thought he pulled off both roles really well too. Um, the, the CGI that they used on his face to get the Two-Face look it was definitely a, a frightening take because you, um, I mean, I guess the iconic take when it comes to Two Face will be the animated series look of like the the Sylvester Stallone lip on the bur- on the burn side or whatever, <laughs> and the blue face. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I do, um, man. And like, even like the earlier Batman appearances, like he was always kind of all over the place, but. This was definitely a, a unique take on the character as far as the look and then the whole idea of of where he's coming from because obviously he has he's two-faced, he has two minds essentially, he has the good side, the bad side, the good side of coin, the bad side of coin, always can't decide. Ultimately, Joker gave him the decision in the hospital. He's like, look, you can either kill me and be happy, whatever, get your revenge, or you can go get revenge on the people who put you here, including the Batman, including Gordon, and just kind of embrace just everything that you work for. You're going to live long enough to become the bad guy, essentially, yeah. and just, just go forward and just wreck mayhem. And that's exactly what Harvey did. Like Harvey was the Punisher for the last yeah. 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, but on the on the um, I keep on calling him by his uh, actor name, Aaron. Eck- Cart. On the Harvey side, though, I did think he played Harvey Dent very well. I thought he might have been a little too suave at times, but maybe that's just because 
he already had Rachel in tow and everything. We didn't get to see any of their courtship. She was already with him like from the jump. Um, I thought I, I thought he played that as well. Or played that character very well. And I, I'm not going to say he's irreplaceable, but he's definitely a big cog in this movie too. Because like you said, if he didn't have the gravitas to deliver the two face parts at the end, then the Harvey parts wouldn't even mattered. Yeah. And I think it's more, I mean, cause you have to think of the character, like he, he has, you know, the woman, he knows a woman he wants to spend the rest of his life with and he's fighting the mob. So, and like, he has to have a certain arrogance about him, not even necessarily arrogance, but just confidence about, you know, who he is as just, you know, the DA of Gotham city. And, I think he he fully exuded that, especially at the dinner table scene where, mm-hmm. you know, he's, you know, Bruce Wayne tried to pull his dick out on the table. He pulled that shit right back out. Like, I'm right here. Yeah, I'm he with, did. I'm with your woman right here, dog. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yes, I, he did. I think he um, he handled that very well. And some other internet research, apparently... I know you said the face was definitely gruesome. I didn't. I thought. I thought that they weren't even going to show the face originally because you know how in the movie they do like the the tease and then they cut away mm-hmm. and then they show Gordon's reaction, but then like you know ten seconds later they show his whole face. I wasn't ready to see his face, man. That shit was fucking crazy. Yeah. But appa- apparently, there were makeups of the two-faced face that were worse that were more gruesome oh my god and i kind of want to see that (laughs) i'd love to see those too it has to be scary as fuck but i would love to see like what was worse than fucking that yo yeah because because i got like every time i look at that thing it's you want to look away from it because it's just it's serious straight up worst case scenario burn victim Oh yeah, is. yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. So, I so where think, are we uh, at on these topics, man? All right, so we, well, we we discuss uh, as far as characters, we discuss uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, we discuss Kristen Bell, mm-hmm. uh, Heath Ledger, Aaron Eckhart, um, you know, the fuckface Gary Oldman, <laughs> uh, the beautiful Michael Caine, yes. Um, you know, all these actors, you know, like I said before, Nolan, um, Nolan figured it out and he has his band of characters that acted supremely well in the movie. Um, we talked a little bit about, um, kind of the mistakes in the movie as far as like, you know, the stuff with Gordon. Um, now fast forwarding it to now, have you know i know you say rewatched it now you rewatched it you know a little while ago also mm-hmm. how do you think the movie has aged and are the mistakes that you didn't notice in your first viewing are they more apparent now or um are the mistakes so nil that the movies age very well for you anyway um i i think the mistakes are are pretty minimal like yeah. my eyes more trained to look for dumb shit out of more than I was like 10 years ago, especially um, yeah. just like dumb things I see throughout the movie. 
Um, and I do that for fun sometimes too, because sometimes just ain't in something I'm watching. I'm like, I'm just gonna look for dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so every now and then I'll see something like there was uh, at the beginning of the movie, it was Harvey and Batman and Gordon on top of the roof, and they had like the 360 camera on them. Like, yeah. ba- like uh, Bale is in the costume, he can't lift his neck up, and like he's not really moving. So, it literally, it just kind of looks like there's standing next to this. Life size weirdo in a bat. The life size weirdo dresses a bat while they're having this conversation. Like he, he said a couple things when he had his close ups, but yeah. like as they're doing that three sixty thing, I'm like he looks so out of place there. He's like he looks like he's the weird guy. They like come to the hang out with the cool kids for a few minutes or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. But seriously, like I'm, I've been looking at this since we started. I can't take my eyes off of it. it it's it's a beautiful film. It, it holds up 10 years later. I, I can't say there's anything other than that's the Gordon thing, fake, yeah. faking his death. I can't see anything that is wrong with this movie at all. And, of course, we have the foreshadowing, um, the whole thing with Bruce listening in on people's devices and everything and kind of making the sonar to figure out where things are. Not only does is that like foreshadowing to one of the biggest fears in America, so to speak, that yeah. we can be heard anytime through our cellular devices. Um, but on top of that, it, the sonar is something that they developed into something they use in the Arkham games a lot because yeah. you literally use sonar to kind of figure out where people are on the map and stuff, so you don't just fall into the trap and everything. So even it was ahead of its time even for that. So I, I, it's aged very well. It holds up and like, I'm like, it still is one of the greatest superhero movies I've ever, I've ever watched easily. Yeah, man. I think the, I think it's aged like wine, man. Like, I think that the flaws are very minimal. Um, I think that the actors' performances all still hold up well. Um, yeah, man, I I mirror the same thing you said, so I don't I don't need to get too much into it. But yeah, I think everything is aged phenomenally well, and I would shit if there were. Damn, uh, there goes it, Rachel. Oh, she got blown up. Yeah, man. Yeah, that shit was wild, and oh, uh, yeah, man, that's. I still remember, like, that feeling of, damn, they really blew her out the fucking frame. Yeah. Yeah, man. But, yeah, like I said, like, I think the movie has aged extremely well. And, you know, nothing is, so far, um, nothing's going to change that for me. So, I think, yeah, I would love to see it in the theater again. If, like, the draft house out here shows it again, I would definitely go to that. Oh, that would be dope. Um, it's the funny thing is like I'm surprised like I mean this is how I guess and there goes Nep- Joker swagging on him. <laughs> I guess show, I guess the show sort of how inept DC is like why why wouldn't they do like a ten year anniversary national release of the movie like they want like us a, to forget. I mean probably, but like even if it did like just we're gonna show it every day for the anniversary week. And just, you know, come whenever, like, 
they shit that would be better better reviews than their new shit now. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, so. they, they're so focused on their air quotes future that uh, they're they're not willing to respect this monumental piece of cinema that they have in their catalog. Um, and I honestly, I haven't seen a whole lot about any. I'm sure, like as we get closer to the 18th, something we'll we'll see some pieces come out about it. Ten years about the Dark Knight and everything, but I I kind of think that that people not that people forgot, but I I feel like people have without going back and revisiting it like we are. I feel like people are kind of writing it off as it hasn't aged well, and they're incredibly wrong. They are, and so. <laughs> Segwaying into off of that idea, which is actual very valid idea, mm-hmm. do you think that the Dark Knight Rises and you know the full scope of the movie and not only just this movie but with all basically superhero movies now, do you think that Dark Knight Rises is overrated, underrated, or properly rated? So so Dark Knight Rises by itself or the whole trilogy or No, just the Dark Knight. Just Dark Knight. Um underrated. Be, because for the first couple years after it came out, everybody's like, oh Dark Knight, Dark Knight, Dark Knight, Dark Knight. And now nobody talks about Dark Knight like that. Because of maybe it's superhero fatigue. Maybe it's because they rebooted it. Um but I feel like for a while was properly rated and now it's definitely underrated again. Like I, I really feel like this will be a movie that people will discover for years to come and be blown away. Just like I was 10 years ago. Yeah. I, you know what it is? I think, I think you're right. And I think it's underrated because fucking Marvel, like Marvel, <laughs> Marvel does it again, but because if you think about how okay, think about Iron Man three, and when we talked about Iron Man three, yeah, and how that was actually the best Tony Stark's performance in any of the MCU movies. Episode sixty one, yep. And but overall, that movie is sort of that movie is a good movie, but in the full scope of the MCU, it's probably like a mid tier movie, right? Yeah. The reason that we can go revisit it is because Marvel has ingrained all these movies so well together that you need to go back to look at these shits and you need to, you know, you need to see the OG Iron Man. Like you need to remember what that was about. Like you need, like even a movie like, like Dark World, when overall people like people sort of say it's just an average movie, but you have Thor Ragnarok that basically revitalized the entire trilogy. And so yeah. it forced people to go back to revisit the actual original Thor and revisit Dark World. Mm-hmm. DC just isn't doing that. I um I actually went back and finally rewatched Age of Age of Ultron. Uh what? it had been years since I watched it. And we- it was a lot better than I remembered it, especially because all the pieces matter. <laughs> all the pieces matter, man. Shout yeah. to the liar. But the funny thing is, I 
Because I remember people, I remember hearing people say Ultron wasn't good. I ended up seeing Ultron after the release, and so after like everything died down, right? And I was I was really confused as to why people didn't like it as much as I did. When I saw it in the theater, um, we I had issues. There was like literal film issues where oh they that that kind of affected it, um, for me, um, and we had to come. Playing everything and they it was it was a big deal. Um, I got through. Oh man, they just showed Two Face. <laughs> totally <laughs> threw me off because I wasn't looking. Dude, I looked up. Um, but but for me, like the thing is, like with Avengers, it's like they it's like, hey, here's Iron Man, here's Captain America, here's here's Hulk. Look at all these pieces. Oh look, they're fighting, and it, the the whole story felt like very originy and the origin worked very well but then in the second one and i I think for me personally on top of the film issues i was having you're like thrown right into the middle of the action when they're they're trying to track down the the tesseract and and it's like you get there and then the movie never really pauses for you to get your bearings about anything there's no the and i think ultron might be one of the first films that i remember really being like in the middle of something because like i remember like thor one they started out fighting frost giants i think but at the same time it was kind of like there's a small build up to the frost giants like we literally were thrust in the middle of this battle and then like i because of the film issues and then I just had trouble wrapping my head around the whole concept of the film. But when I sat down and watched it a few week weekends ago, I was highly impressed with the whole thing. And I had missed so much stuff that I knew of because I had went back and read about it. And of course, other films filled in blanks for me. But Age of Ultron is a good film. It's not the Avengers. It's not the crown jewel of the phase one that Avengers was. But at the same time, it's a highly important film in this whole saga this mcu that just gets shit on for no reason so if i ever say anything about age of ultron before i I take it back it's it's a damn good (laughs) film yeah and i think it i think it's a damn good film too and marvel is you know i don't think they really knew the long game I, i think they knew the long game but i don't think they really knew that this would be such a, a gargantuan thing of American pop culture. Yeah. Um, but they still, at least, even if they didn't know it, and if they they just caught up, they still were smart enough to like inter interweave these movies and moving pieces all together. When you know DC, they basically just gave the Dark Knight trilogy basically like a graphic novel treatment mm-hmm. and then they just kept pumping yep. out you know justice league movies that are completely inferior and completely different from nolan's vision and if they were smart they should have just gave nolan the reins just to do a robin movie just to see where robin can go and then you know like even they even should have gave like like even a batman beyond like Something just original. Yeah. <laughs> like something just, you know, something that was worthwhile at least trying. Because this shit, I mean, like, it's it's not good. Like, because I think they're, 
they're trying to bank on Aquaman to do what Ant-Man did, just to be funny and then, you know, try to, we hope that the funny and the action is good enough to reel you in. But who, no one wants to see Aquaman movie because, one, this guy, he's just not a good actor. Like they do, mm. He's not a good actor. But Paul Rudd is a guy that you know he's a funny guy. He has dry humor. And so you can at least bank on the money being halfway funny. But this movie, it's like he's just going to basically just look sexy for a woman. And and big things are gonna blow up. Like that's the only thing you're gonna get from Aquaman. Yeah. So, so DC doesn't do anything to incorporate the Nolan trilogy into the forefront of people's minds. And so, I think they're they're gonna be people, you know, like us who take it upon themselves to do oral histories or to do essays or blog posts about it. But DC should be doing, should have done something. And it's a week, you know, a week from the anniversary and they haven't done anything. And that's, yeah, that's completely sad. Like they completely, you know, they could have even did like a, a memorial of like Heath Ledger. I mean, yeah, they could have they done a lot of things for this movie to commemorate it. And they just totally didn't. And, you know, they just, they just aren't intelligent enough from what I'm seeing to where they know how to really capitalize off what momentum they, what momentum they can potentially build mm-hmm. and what people actually want. Um, so, yeah, so they're, they're just, they just aren't with it. Like they just don't have what Marvel has to where even, even in the logo, like, you know, so Ant-Man 2 and their logo is Marvel Studios 10. I yeah. guess they are fully celebrating their 10 years of these now Great 20 films. movies. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like I said, like they, DC treated Nolan like he was just a graphic, a graphic novel guy. You know, do this little thing on your own, but we're going to keep this comic shit going, which is going to be completely different from what you've done. And we're still going to just make money because people are still going to go see it. So, so yeah. So I, I don't, I don't really see them, you know, really changing that down the line. Um, I know that I'm looking at the credits, and I know that Nolan was involved with producing Man of Steel, and at one point, he, I, I'm not going to do too deep of a dive on Wikipedia, but I thought he was involved with writing some of it. But ultimately, it's the story. Oh, I'm sorry. He he was involved with writing some of Man of Steel because David Goyer did the screenplay and the story was by Goyer and Christopher Nolan. So I think they had when they decided to do the DCEU, I think they were planning on doing trying to branch off of these movies and continue the Nolan verse a little bit. But I don't know whether it was the critical response to man of steel or the fact i i kind of recall something along the lines of bale saying that he didn't want to be batman anymore um i don't know whether bale was completely out on the character and wasn't interested in reprising his batman role in a extended universe kind of thing but i feel like they had started to take steps but then at some point 
Nolan and DC's relationship went sour. And then Nolan stepped out completely. And then that's when I'm, I'm pretty sure he's completely all the way out by the time he got Batman v Superman. Mm. Um, so I wonder if there's some kind of uh, relationship that went sour along the way, or if it literally was, I want to get out of superheroes after the Man of Steel supposed debacle. Cause I know people that would defend Man of Steel and they love Man of Steel. And then there's other people who are just kind of, they don't, they're just meh about Man of Steel. So, yeah, I mean, because I think you, I mean, because even Nolan teased, you know, Robin at the end of Dark Knight Rises, but nothing ever totally came of that. that. Joseph yeah. Gordon Levitt, are you serious? Like, and, and he was totally like, it was a good role for him in Dark Knight Rises. Like, it wasn't like Chris, I mean, obviously, it was way different than Chris O'Donnell's um, portrayal, but. Yeah. It was like it was just enough where it's like I'd like to see more of this guy. Oh, yeah. he has a ke- he has the keys to the back cave. Not to mention that I am a fan of the Robin character, so I would have been fine if we had gotten some kind of spinoff. But for things to just stop there, I was really disappointed. Yeah, man. I mean, it's. I mean, it could be a situation with like John Favreau and Iron Man three, where Favreau wanted to direct Avengers. And he wanted that bread, and Mar- uh, Marvel just wasn't with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it could be a situation like that. I mean, I mean, at some point, you know, people got to know your worth. And that Dark Knight trilogy, like, even you know, even beyond you know the reviews of Dark Knight Rises and how some people were kind of disappointed in that, the Dark Knight trilogy. No, that should have earned him equity to write a blank check at DC. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, just didn't. So, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I mean, if I'm Nolan, I would, I would just think that off the rip anyway. And if I'm Nolan's agent, I would have pushed that off the rip anyway. So it is really weird that DC DC just just didn't trust him. Like it, it just feels like they did they didn't trust him to, you know, deliver on something that was outside of Batman. Um, and even someone like I guess you know, um, Christian Bale not wanted to be Batman anymore. I mean, it's probably the shit that what Affleck's going through now, now where he probably feels just the pressure from not only like Batman stands but even from DC also that. You have to be the character in, in this certain way. And if it's not right, that we're just not going to fuck with it. Um, and, you know, you know, to be fair, you know, uh, Athlete is a terrible Batman, but he's been trying to get out of Batman for like <laughs> for like the last few months. Yeah. He really blogs. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, another one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when Joker comes out of hospital um, and he's like messing with the remote and he can't get the bomb to go off that was totally not in the script the bomber the totally the effects weren't working and so when he's hitting the remote and trying to get it to work it literally is um him trying to get it to work and so that's all real (laughs) that whole scene is improvised there's a there's a deleted scene uh whenever he hops in the hops in the school bus and they drive away you can't really tell from the shot that's in the movie 
but there's a camera mounted like in the actual back of the the school bus mm-hmm. and it basically just shows you know joker's face and his entire time he doesn't look at the actual explosion of the hospital like oh, wow. he just he just detonated a fucking hospital killing god knows who and he just drove off like it didn't matter right yeah and so another thing about nolan oh, another thing about ledger Apparently, Nolan trusted Heath so much that Heath actually directed those video camera scenes when he's like video recording, like the the vigilante Batman and Michael Anthony Hall, the news reporter. Oh, they're showing it right now. I didn't. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, apparently, like Nolan wasn't even there. He just let he let Ledger just direct that those scenes like himself that's crazy yeah man and he was the first one doing selfie shit too <laughs> <laughs> oh man like that really hit out the park man they all did for yes, this he did. so so yeah so i think that i think you know i think you're right i think that you know for the time it was properly rated but then now that we've gone we gotten away from the movie a lot of people, and I think it, I think a lot of it is DC's fault, and I think some of it is a, you know, side effect of just the dominance of Marvel, where you know we just, I think people overall now it's it's an underrated movie, um, and it's kind of like I mean even like thinking about you know the Golden State Warriors where you know this is probably the greatest basketball team of all time. But, you know, people aren't really talking about the Showtime Lakers anymore or the, even the Pistons, even when the actually that's a great example. The Detroit Pistons of the early 90s were one of the best teams in NBA and they won back to back championships. And they're basically an afterthought now. Like people mm-hmm. like people, unless you were you know of a certain age, like you don't really reminisce on. Isaiah Thomas playing with a broken leg in the finals, and you don't you don't really think about how Rodman, you know, before drugs or whatever, like he was one of the best NBA players, and you know, fucking uh, Lambeer and like the whole like Detroit model of just like them just being fucking fierce, and you know, we're gonna play ball, but we're going to fuck you up in the process. Yeah. And, you know, that, like, those Piston championships are kind of stuck in, like, like the pages of history are stuck together. We're talking mm-hmm. about the, the 90s Pistons. Because they and breathe so, right, they go from the Lakers right into the Bulls, yeah. Yeah. Forgot about, so, forgot about Isaiah and them. Yeah, and so after after the Pistons, you get the Jordan, you get the Jordan dominance, and then you get like the Shaq and Kobe, and then that you know morphs into LeBron, and so I mean that's basically like you can just say how Marvel just built up all this head of steam, and then now they're cashing on everything. But you know the Pistons they had their run, and Nolan had his run too, and the run was short, but the run was still championship worthy anyway. There, there hasn't been anything outside of Marvel or anything that Marvel did prior to the MCU that comes close to what Nolan did in seven years with these films. 
He yeah. built his own universe and he tore down his own universe essentially. Yeah. And it's 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 beautiful disaster. <laughs> it is, man. I mean shit is better than Batman and Robin, that's all I know. Oh my god. Everybody chill out. <laughs> all right, everyone. Chill. Oh. oh my god, so many puns. And I know the reason why you actually love like why you actually like uh, Batman Forever is because Jim Carrey. And that's the only fucking reason to even like that damn movie. You know what? I liked him as Riddler. Yeah. But I honestly, I didn't mind Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face. It was a little too over the top, obviously, but as a, uh, like, it came out in 95. So I was like 12. Yeah. So I was very impressionable. I always liked Val Kilmer's Batman. Um, well, not bad. I always liked his Bruce Wayne a lot. Um, and then I didn't hate Chris O'Donnell with everything in my, like, I didn't hate Robin as much because he was in the film, but he also had a smaller role in the film. And I just thought the whole plot of the movie was very interesting as far as the mind control thing. But again, I was 12. So I'm very nostalgic and I'm willing to wax over all these. Uh, there's obviously dumb shit throughout that whole movie, but <laughs> I'm willing to look over it. But when you get the Batman and Robin and like, like this, the sets are so unrealistic. It barely looks like Gotham City. Batman Forever had that too at some points too. Yeah. Um, but Gone is the Burton Gotham City that we had learned from the first two Batman movies and some of Batman Forever. And all you got is these giant buildings with weird shapes and everything else. And it just looks so cartoonish. Honestly, the best thing about Batman and Robin is Uma Thurman because she knocked out of Parker's Poison Ivy. That's the only good thing about that movie. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, we can like that's a perfect segue talking about these characters and like how good and how terrible they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, looking at the scope of you know some of those important and some of the most notorious Batman projects that we have, um, I wanted you to think about some of the best and worst Batmans, and so I wanted you to work rank from very worst to very best who do you think batman's uh who do you think the best batman is and rank you know from worst to best and so i have a list of okay. prominent batmans yes so we have the og adam west mm-hmm. uh we have in the late 80s early 90s michael keaton then as a um wild card kevin conroy who's the voice of Batman on Batman the Animated Series, which the is very underrated. The best voice of Batman, yeah, 100%. And also we have, like you said before, Val Kilmer in 95. Uh, under <laughs> completely forgotten George Clooney. Recovered <laughs> from a motorcycle accident, George Clooney, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hope he's doing well. Apparently Fucker. he's fine. It was like a nasty spill and everything, but he's good to go. Oh, well, good for him. Don't do Batman anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Christian Bell, as we've been talking about all night, and also the aforementioned Ben Affleck. So, so of these seven, mm-hmm. who do you, <laughs> this is the I think this is the most important award. Of these seven, who I think the so wor- too. Who is the worst Batman of all time? <laughs> all right, so I'm just going to list from worst to best. Yes, and I'm just going to read names. And you can question me afterwards. Okay. okay. The very bottom, I got Clooney. Okay. 
Above Clooney, I got to go with Kilmer. Mm. Uh, I should have thought more about this. Um, then, man, all right, so Clooney, Kilmer. God, I hate you right now. Um, <laughs> well, do you want me? Well, if you, since you have to still think about your list, do you want me to give mine? No, I'm I'm gonna keep it rolling. All right, keep it going. I have to say Adam West, even though I love Adam West's portrayal, I have to put him here. Um, Affleck, Conroy, no, Bale, Conroy, no, Keaton Conroy. Conroy's. I'm going to say Conroy, man. He never actually physically played him, but that voice is Batman. It's Batman, man. I'm so putting Conroy Ke- number one. Damn, your whole list is a hot-ass take, man. <laughs> All my takes yeah. hot-ass takes. So I got Conroy. I got Keaton. I got Bale. Um, and then, who did I say before? I said Affleck, West, Kilmer, Clooney. Yeah. I think the, ho- I think the hottest take is you think Ben Affleck is a better Batman than Adam West? That is a fucking hot take, <laughs> Marcus. I, I I have to say it. I while well, I haven't watched Justice League, and that's probably when I finally do. I'm sure it's going to drop him back down the rankings. Oh, I, so I have Justice League um, on my counter, and I'm not watching it yet. So 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 you're I, only basing this off Dawn of Justice? Yes. And you Donna still Justice, think Donna Justice Affleck Bat Affleck Batfleck? I really liked him. I'm sorry, I thought uh, it was that, good. I really liked him in that role. I thought he was one of the redeeming parts of that movie. Oh no, that's a hot ass take, boy. I oh. like I like Batfleck in that movie, man. Like I don't. I'm Suicide Squad. He's barely in it. And I've I've seen some of the creepy shit that he does in Justice League to Diana, like as far as his comments and him apparently checking her out all the time, um, which I already am not here for. But if I'm basing it off of what I've seen, I was highly impressed with Ben Affleck in Dawn of Justice. I think that makes you the only person in America. I don't, I don't think, think so, man. I don't think even Ben Affleck feels that he was impressive in that movie. When's the last time you watched Dawn of Justice? I watched those shits once. I'm I'm never watching those movies again. And and I'm gonna You gotta go it. you gotta go back and watch it now. You nah, have to go never, back man. to watch just for Affleck's performance. I'm telling you, Affleck does everything in his power to save that movie and Cavill just ain't having it. Because I'm not, I'm out on Cavill all the way. And so, do you know who I have as my worst Batman ever? It'd be uh, uh, Affleck. Ben Affleck, man, he's <laughs> he's just fucking terrible. Uh, you know what makes him so bad? He doesn't even want to do it anymore. We has to do it for the checks. That's that's just sad, man. He doesn't like if you didn't see Justice League. Justice League is no good. 
Like, everyone's shit in that movie. They took Wonder Woman, who was the best character they had going, and they made her mediocre as fuck. Like, oh, it's it's just disgusting. It's just fucking yeah. terrible. And so, so I have been out like it's the worst. I have Clooney is six. Clooney's fucking terrible as yeah, bad, man. He's he's, he's just bad. But you only get one movie of him, so that's 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 better than fucking. Yeah, he did he did no parts of his of the role right. There's no parts. I the whole time I'm like in. Why is George Clooney on the screen? Like I, I never bought him as Bruce Wayne. Not for a second, man. Not for not for a second at all. And then I have have Val Coomer's uh fifth uh fifth worst. Mm-hmm. Um and so my top four, uh, I have Adam West at four. Okay. For the OG. And I have the voice of the voice of Batman in the animated series, one of my favorite uh, cartoon shows of all time. I mean, it's basically, you can call this shit anime. It's basically anime. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like one of my favorite animes ever. Uh, so I have him at number three. And so it basically comes down to either Christian Bell or Michael Keaton for the number one spot. And I think while. I think while Bale, he, I think he he tries to play the dance a lot, where he tries to balance Batman with um, Bruce Wayne. I I think that I still think that Michael Keaton does the best. He pulls it off the best, mm-hmm. and the broodingness, like the 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 grief that he actually has in the first movie is palpable and you yes. see that he's you see he's a broken person but he just wants you know just to do right but in the in these movies you sort of see him deal with like you know his anxiety in little ways but it's not really sort of like it's not really palpable in the way that it is with Keaton and if you think of Bruce Wayne as like the billionaire like bachelor with like mad hoes or whatever, mm-hmm. like he pulled that off pretty well, but but you know what it is too, other than like Michael Keaton playing like Bruce Wayne, the dark Bruce Wayne really well, it's just the accent. Like in Dark Knight Rises when he's like <laughs> when he's talking to Bane at the end. Yeah, it's, it 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 kind of curls your skin, and I remember being in a movie theater when I first saw Dark Knight Rises, and I I'm not gonna lie, I felt embarrassed. I yeah. felt like he, because whenever he like he like tries to make his voice like a monster, and his voice is just very bad. And I'm really glad Michael Keaton didn't try to. Michael Keaton played it very low and very slow yeah and that was something i was really glad that they did with affleck was they did the digitized voice where it was like the voice modulator where when he's talking you can't tell he's talking as bruce wayne and i thought that was something that i would have liked to have seen in the nolan films instead of getting get over here (laughs) yeah he's fucking scorpion over there man yeah 
So yeah, hundred percent. So. That, that's that's why he's not higher on my list too. The voice, the voice is always, especially like in the first movie, like when he's right before he gets the full bat costume and he's he has that kid or not kid, the mobster interrogating him. And that's when he starts screaming at him. He's like, rah, 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 rah. I'm like, oh my god, what is he doing? Yeah, because even in the Dark Knight, in the Dark Knight when he he like interrogates Joker mm-hmm. and he punches him, he's like, "Where is she?" Like, oh my god! <laughs> like yeah, in bad. the movie, like in the movie, you don't really pick that up, but in the Dark Knight Rises, like it's so blatant, mm-hmm. it's just so bad. So yeah, but yeah, but shout out, we had to give love to uh, Kevin uh, Conroy. He He's amazing and yes. uh, Batman animated series. Mark, uh, quick, you know, I'm a Star Wars nerd. Mark Hamill, who was a Joker in uh, Batman animated series. So, Absolutely. So yeah, that's that's you know top two and it's not two. So do you watch any of the DC animated films? Um, I I watched a few of the Batman ones. Um, mm-hmm. I tried to watch Killing Joke. I can't get through it. Um, but there were a couple of the Batman movies I saw that were good. I'm kind of blanking on them now, but did you watch yeah. any of them? Um, I own the Dark Knight. Uh, or uh, what was it? Uh, the Dark Knight. Damn, Dark Knight Returns. I own that one. Um, that when they redid the kind of comic book um, for for the animated thing, and then I've seen several features over the years and nothing that's stick coming to mind but conroy plays as the voice a lot of time he decided to get out a live action game and just focus on their animated stuff they'd be a million times better and did the actual release of the animated stuff because the animated stuff is always so good what up devo <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Debo of all people makes a moral choice in the movie. I know. I love that. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Batman animated movies, you know mm-hmm. Batman Ninja's coming out? No. When's that come out? Uh let me see. Uh, I guess. Oh hold on. This came out apparently already. I didn't know this. Hold on. It says it came out April 24th. Oh. Holy shit. I got to get this then. Did you ever see the trailer for it? No. Oh, it was fucking awesome. Like, I'm it was, check it out. It's pretty rad. Um, so, yeah. So, shout out, to, shout out to the legend, Kevin Conroy. Absolutely. Shout out to him. Shout and, out to Ben Affleck. <laughs> No, nah, fuck that dude, dog. Stop, stop ruining my childhood heroes, dog. No, nah, I mean Ben Affleck is pretty much trash, so I yeah. can't be, I can't be shouting him out too much. But I, I, I like this Batman. But like I said, once I watch Justice League, it'll drop back down to normal levels. Okay, <laughs> it will. Trust me. <laughs> All right, so we ranked the Batmans. Um, I initially asked you, like, what were your top five? Uh, movie villain list. If mm-hmm. you didn't make one, that's fine. Because I think it really only comes down to two people. It's either Heath Ledger or Thanos. <laughs> like, yeah. like, who do you think is actually the 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 best villain in in any of these movies? Because I think it's either one or him. It's either Joker or Thanos. Yeah. So who, who do you think is who do you think has the number one spot? 
Thanos is so Thanos like Brolin played the shit out of that character. Like you thought you were gonna maybe roll in, you get a lot of CGI and I, I, like we didn't know what kind of Thanos we were going to get. We hadn't seen that much of Thanos throughout the little clips we had seen. So nobody knew what kind of mad Titan we were going to get, but Brolin brought it that whole movie. It's very much a Thanos movie. Just yeah. like Dark Knight is very much a Heath Ledger movie. <sighs> um, I, I I gotta give it to my man Heath, man. Oh, um, um, I mean, ten years later, every time he's on screen, I, I've had trouble not watching it. I mean, obviously, I'm supposed to be glancing at, I'm supposed to be listening to you mainly, and <laughs> like he comes on the screen, I'm just transfixed. And I have a feeling that as the more I watch Infinity War, as the years go by, I'll feel the same way about Brolin. I felt that way in the theater as I watched Brolin on screen because he's such a um, the, he, he's such a big presence, obviously, on what's going on in the story and physically on the screen. But I'm, I'm going to go with my man Heath on this one. Oh, man, that's a... Man, that's a really... Normal think, take? <laughs> well, no, I think it's a hard choice. Like, I yeah. mean, Because I think just the awesomeness of Thanos and the destruction he caused is so great. Um, and that line he said to Thor is so so iconic. He should have aimed for the head. Snap. Yeah. And I mean, but I think the edge probably should go to the Joker because I mean, you had like a part of Thanos's sort of lore is his like his big menacingness. And him boxing out the Hulk, like Mike Tyson in his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are things, you know, they're enhanced, you know, by Marvel and their, you know, the graphics. They're world whatever. building. Yeah. And so Joker, like Heath Ledger, he had to do everything. Like he had to do the mannerisms. Like he had to do, um, just think of, the, think of the effectiveness of the magic trick. When you make the pencil disappear. I remember like in the movie theater when that shit happened, like that shit was it was funny, but it was sick. Mm-hmm. And I I felt bad laughing at it. Like that shit was crazy. And so you have moments that you know you could only do if there's actors playing off of other actors. Um but Brolin, he really did master the Thanos voice. And he really mastered like the mannerisms uh, with his voice. If that makes any sense, yeah, um, the ticks, yeah. And so, and like even then, even in a moment where he tells Tony, "I hope they remember you," like that's a cold. Like think about, imagine saying that to someone we're about to kill. That's cold as fuck. That's a cold ass line. Yeah. So, so yeah, man. I think that. Uh, I gotta give the slight edge to Joker, um, but it's it's a clear race between them two. So it's, yeah, so yeah, I don't think there's nobody I, comes close. I don't think anyone ever will come close again. Like, like who? I can't even think of like kill. 
honestly, as much as I love Killmonger, he's not in the conversation. No, um, man, he's not. Uh, I mean, Winter Soldier could have been, but obviously, he he went back to being Bucky. He's, he's been he spent more time more time unbrainwashed than he has brainwashed in MCU on screen at least. Um, yeah. Ultron. Like I said, I was way more impressed with Ultron when I did this rewatch recently. Um, but he he doesn't compete. None of Spider Man's villains, even though I thought Michael Keaton did an excellent Vulture, he's not up there on that level. Uh there there other the only one that I can think of. We talked about it when we talked about the Iron Man episode. The only one who has potential to be in that conversation, but there wasn't enough of him really, would have been Jeff Bridges. As Iron Monger in Iron Man One, I think. Yeah, he was. We talked about it before, but he was really good as mm-hmm. Iron Monger. He was so good. Ob- Obadiah Stane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. White ass name. <laughs> oh, that's super cocaine white. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, shit. The only, the only other people, possibly in the mix. I think, I mean, if we were to make a top five, I mean, I think he would crack the top five. Um, I think Nicholson Joker probably would crack the top five. And yeah, um, the other, the other one, I mean, um, someone random like John Leguizamo and Spawn. (laughs) (laughs) Clown. Uh, Something like totally random like that, but I thought that movie was so good when I was a kid too. I haven't, I haven't seen it. In, I haven't seen it since it came, like maybe about a year or two after it came out. Oh, uh, um, I I think I saw it like maybe like three years ago, but I never finished it, so I don't remember if it's really that good. But I remember loving that movie as a kid, so I'm hope I'm hoping it's still good. Uh, good luck, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Where are we at now? What we got left? All right. So we talked about uh, the best Batmans and the best Jokers and mm-hmm. the best villains overall. Um, so we only have just a few more questions left. Okay. Um, so these are, I guess, sort of the summation of, you know, just Dark Knight in general. So, 28, uh, 2008, it had a lot of great movies. Uh, just to name a few, uh, The OG Cloverfield, Semi-Pro, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, as you talked about before, Iron Man, um, the 10-year anniversary of Step Brothers just passed. Yes, it did. Um, the classic Tropic Thunder, um, and a couple of good, uh, great acting movies. Um, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Milk, and Frost Nixon, um, and Sundog Millionaire. All these movies came out in 2008 along with The Dark Knight. Um, Dark Knight was not nominated for Movie of the Year um, at the Emmys. Um, Slumdog Millionaire won for Best Picture and Best Director. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that won was for like 
um, Heath Ledger won for Best Supporting Actor. Yes. Um, and they won like some like sound award, sound. which you know, which isn't shit. No. <laughs> so, so you know, there's actually a stellar list of movies from 2008. Do you think of that year, looking back, and even in the middle, but looking back, do you think Dark Knight Rises was the best movie of 2008? Um. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the only two that on your list that you got here that I would say, hell, there's only no oh, Iron Man's on there. Uh, so yeah, two that I would say compete would be Iron Man, and I really love the wrestler, but also I'm a pro wrestling fan, so I'm biased. Yeah. Uh, I really like the first Cloverfield a lot too. I think yeah. it gets hella slept on um, now, especially with the sequels coming out and not being direct sequels to the original Cloverfield. Uh, but I'd say Iron Man and The Wrestler competes, but um, and Slumdog was, uh, was, a, was a good movie, and so was Milk. I mean, not to take anything away from the, the dramatic choices you got here. Great comedy films, but they're not going to come close to Dark Knight or anything like that. Um, but yeah, Dark, Dark Knight was definitely the best movie of 2008. I think it should have gotten a nomination at least. Oh, yeah. I don't think it even got a nomination for Best Picture. I don't think you've ever nominated any no. movie for Best Picture, like comic book movie. Um, yeah, they they did not. Like, Nolan didn't even get nominated for Best Director. Right. If I remember right. So I'm looking up right now, but. Why did Gordon just take the axe to the to the. Bat signal while it was on. That's stupid. He could have electrocuted himself in the rain. <laughs> Holy shit. I never even thought of that. I, the first time I thought of it, like it, it's literally pouring down rain. He's taking an axe to, he to is the a, bat signal. He is a metal axe chopping in the rain and could get electrocuted. Uh, that's, oh, man. Damn, that's fucking funny. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. Um, so, yeah, I do think that. Um, I mean, I think it's it definitely is like one of the best. Movies. I think it is the best movie of that year. Um, Benjamin Bunn was really good. Um, Frost Nixon. Um, that was a little bit of a slow burn, but that movie was pretty good. Milk was really good. I never saw the rest of it. I I always wanted to see it, but I just like never caught it. Mm-hmm. Um, I never saw Slumdog Millionaire, but I mean, it's a musical. I watched movie. it That's, in class once. Um, we we watched it and damn, I don't remember what class it was, but we watched it and I was like, I was definitely into it because it wasn't was that one of my it was definitely a class I wasn't feeling, <laughs> but we were we were watching this movie and I thought it was cool, but I haven't watched it since then. Yeah, I mean, I've I never even had an inkling to watch that damn movie, <laughs> right? But I mean, if it's a musical and it's not Purple Rain or Moonwalker, I'm, I'm or Streets is watching, I'm probably not going to watch it. Streets is watching. Yeah, man. Classic. classic. <laughs> Another classic OA movie, Taken. Yeah. I, <laughs> Taken definitely was the best out of the three. And that came yeah. out of left field. Like, I remember I was in the shoe department and this I was ringing out some couple. They're like, oh, we just went to go see Taken. It was so good. Uh <laughs> Everybody, when at the end of the movie, everybody stood up and clapped. I'm like, oh, damn, for real? 
that's like, a, that's a lot. <laughs> y'all feeling that way about taking on a matinee night? That's what's up. I, I didn't do that, so yeah. I, I guess they're better people than me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so yeah, I, we can agree that in a clean sweep, uh, uh, two thousand eight belonged to belonged to Dark Knight. Yes, um, I and the funny thing is like. Ledger got nominated for Joker. Um, Bale never even got nominated for Best Actor. No, he didn't. Yeah. And so, I mean, he would have been against Sean Penn and uh, Brad Pitt that year and Mickey Ward from The Wrestler that year, so he wouldn't have won, but he didn't didn't even get the look, so. Yeah. It it, it was definitely tough to do that that year, but if – I had to pick anyone that wasn't Ledger, who's MVP. I'm going to say it's going to be Bale, because Bale, as much as heavy lifting as Ledger did, Bale did just as much. I mean, awful Batman voice aside. I mean, <laughs> like throughout the course of the film, I mean, he had already lost his his childhood home, first film, loses love of his life, uh, loses, ha- has to pretty much become the bad guy and take the rap for Harvey Dent at the end. There's a lot of moving parts to uh, his story as well. And I think, I think Bale was up to the challenge and it definitely showed. Yeah. Like I said before, like they, they really are, you know, the, there are opposites of each other and the awesomeness, the awesomeness of, of, Ledger is really due to how grounded Bell is as as Batman, and mm-hmm. so it really is an unstoppable force, meaning an immovable object. Like, like they have to be those sorts of equals that make the the movie work. And any MV, the MVP of this movie, not named Heath Ledger, has to be Christian Bell. Yep. Um, if it's not Christian Bell, it's got to be Christopher Nolan um, because Nolan is the one who put it all together, but. For the movie's sake specifically, it's gotta be Christian Bell. Yeah, there's there's no other way around it, I agree. Yeah. <sighs> it's just so. too damn good for his own good. <laughs> yeah, I mean it sucks that like he Bell's career is is really weird because you would have thought his career would have been I don't think his his career isn't big, but I just think he makes sort of weird choices in movies, like because he did Terminator, but he did that movie all about it. It just wasn't good, and then he got caught on like video, like screaming at like one of the um yeah like the... hands or whatever. Yes, he did. I remember when that audio hit the blogs. <laughs> yeah, man, he just. I think he's sort of like. Um, we were talking about Jared Leto earlier. Like he's definitely not he's a way better actor than Leto, but he I think he's one of those actors that just takes just acting too seriously. So Oh yeah. But then I think at the same time, like he just makes sort of just weird choices for his films. Like because he did that like Western movie that came out like a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, it's a Western in in twenty eighteen. Like who, you know, wants to really see that? Not so, a lot of people. Um, 
you gotta you gotta be have you gotta be a fan of a western to go see a western. Like if yeah. it comes, it's one thing you put it on Netflix or Hulu and it gets gets a little fan base, but to literally see it, um, go to a movie theater for a wide release that's that's a tough choice. Um, did you see The Big Short with Christian Bale in it? I did, and that was probably like the last good movie he was in. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, it actually made me pick up the book. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I haven't finished. By no means. I got into it for a couple chapters, and then, and it, it's it's there's a lot of it, I understand it, but then I want to. I definitely want to finish it at some point. But the movie definitely piqued my interest in the book, and I thought he was good. I thought my man Michael Scott. I mean, uh, Steve Carell was good, and yeah. Ryan Gosling, of course, um, and being his lazy-eyed self popping up. He's always good most of the time. So, Jeez. I know. Me taking cheap shots. You can tell I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> 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 I have no problem with Ryan Gosling. Until he does something that uh, pops up on Twitter. But he's with Eva Mendez. If, he, if, he did, if something comes out, he did something stupid, I, I'll be shocked. But honestly, no. I'm not shocked by anything anymore. So, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, but I think Bell, he has way more misses and hits. Like, yes. I mean, because looking at his movie shit, like, you know, he just doesn't pick the right choices for the most part. He was in that um that white Egyptian movie, uh, Exodus. He was uh, mo- yeah, he, was he was Moses. Oh my god, he played fucking Moses. Of course Jesus he did. Christ. Because oh when he definitely feels like when he takes a role. He he feels like he's um, and you see who he's playing. It, it definitely feels like he takes roles based on his ego. I think. <laughs> Speaking of that, <laughs> that's actually perfect thing you just said. Yeah. In 1999, he did a TV film called Mary Mother Joseph. Guess who Christian Bell played in this movie? All right, I'm gonna give you one guess. I think it starts with a J and ends with an Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> he played Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> oh, wow, Christian. Oh, man. His name, Jesus. Oh, my God, his name. Oh, I, I, now that we're talking about Christian Bale, I think that he, I think if anything, he just completely nixed being Batman anymore. It feels like he was done. I think if he wanted to, I think DC would have found a way to make it work. But he was just like, yeah, I'm going to go find something else now. Yeah, I've been the biggest, biggest comic book character, pretty much, of that when people say, what superhero do you want to be? Most times, somebody's going to say Batman. So yeah. I've, I've been to the mountaintop, Apex Mountain, as far as superheroes go. So I'm going to go be in a movie with Jennifer Lawrence now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, because he he did Terminator right after Dark Knight. Yes, he did. Didn't it, did it come out the same year or was it two thousand nine? No, it came out two thousand nine. Okay, I knew and they were really close because uh, he got a lot of bad publicity. Because I mean, he just had Dark Knight, and then all of a sudden he's screaming at PAs or whatever, and just talking to them like they're pieces of trash. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's damn, it's it's really wild that like 
we got this awesome performance from, you know, Ledger, and that was his last one. And we yeah. got the this really good performance in Bell. And <laughs> unfortunately, it wasn't his last one. <laughs> like, he just kept churning them bitches out, man. It's, I mean, because between 2009... Oh, damn, that's really weird. Okay, so between 2009 and now, he's basically done about a dozen movies and, on, and only Dark Knight Rises, Public Enemies... American Hustle and the Big Short are actually worth a damn. Mm-hmm. But he has a lot of different just flops sprinkled in here every now and then. Um, he he just doesn't make good choices as an actor. That's that's basically the long and short of it. Um, I, I started the movie over and I just watched the whole opening bank robbery sequence again, <laughs> and. Again, kudos to Nolan. Kudos to Ledger. A man, William Finkner, getting Fichtner, however you say his name, getting the bomb in the mouth because he's a bad guy anyway. But he, he always pops up when you least expect it. He's one of those uh, character actors that is like, oh, I know that guy from so and so. It's William <laughs> Fichtner. Uh, yeah. I, th- this movie just holds up so well. Like, I could literally sit here and watch it all over again. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like, back to back. Back to back, like a certain Canadian rapper who I don't know how I feel about it yet, so I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> oh, that album's trash. That's all it is. But, <laughs> so... I got to so, rob there myself before I'll say it. Hold <laughs> on, so William... You said William Fickner? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's a, he's a mob boss banker? Yes. Yeah, he was... He's definitely a that guy type of person. Mm-hmm. I, the the biggest role I remember him in in '99 is a movie called Go, and it's like Tay Diggs is in it, and it's basically like this story of uh like these different people in LA. Just mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's kind of weird to explain, but yeah, he, he plays a. Um, have you ever seen it before? No, I've not seen it. He plays a a cop who's seemingly gay, and he's hitting on this actor. Ah. but but he tries to sell him Amway products. Amway. It's, it's it's very it's strange, but that movie's like really good. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a, it's super weird. But every time I see him, I think of Adam Sandler's Longest Yard remake because he was like the the head guard. He was. Um, hold on, I gotta Google this person. Make sure we're talking about the same person. Okay. Because we're really funny for not. Because this we totally funny. I bet you it's the same guy. <laughs> uh, what's his last name again? Uh, Fickner. It's like F. I see. Hold on, I got the cast up here somewhere. Uh, uh, that's Superman and stuff. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, it is the same guy. Is it C? Yeah, he was in fucking. Um, I don't know if you ever remember this movie. Um, uh, Strange Days. Yes, I've seen Strange Days. He's a fucking. He's a racist cop in the movie. Yep. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah, man. 
<laughs> so all, all the pieces still matter, Marcus. <laughs> I know. All right. So from Segway from racist cops to <laughs> the Dark Knight, <laughs> and we're gonna ignore that Joker killed just all black people. We're gonna yeah. ignore that. <laughs> so just thinking about the legacy of the Dark Knight and just where it stands on American film culture, is this because we both agree that it's definitely changed the landscape of how comic book movies can be not only like viewed, but taken seriously and now how they I've, can actually, I'm sorry, not to interrupt, but I did anyway. Um, now that I've rewatched it recently and then I, because I just watched winter soldier, I see a lot of things winter soldier, like as far as the pacing goes took from dark Knight, I definitely can see it. The similarities in certain places. Yeah, so understanding that um, and just thinking about the legacy of the Dark Knight, where do you feel like this ranks as far as like American cinema this millennium? And also, do you do you think that this is still the greatest action, well, not action movie, but the greatest comic book movie of all time? Or where do you, where do you think it ranks? I'm so biased by Marvel. Um, I'd say comic book wise, I'd say it's still, I'd say you still got to find a way to get it in at least top six. It, um, might even still be top four, but then immediately I'm thinking about Winter Soldier, Black Panther, Avengers, um, things that I would put ahead of it on some days. I feel like Iron Man's a better movie, but that's because I really love Iron Man and I know that's not true. Uh, so I think Iron Man would always come slightly behind it. Um, I don't know how I feel about Infinity Wars ranking yet. I got to see how it all ends before I think I can actually rank that movie. <laughs> it's so traumatic. Um, Guardians is up there for me. So I think it's definitely a top, I'm going to say it's a top six comic book movie of all time. With its competition being most of the MCU movies. There's nothing pre-MCU that I would put up there. Um, as far as being just movie-wise in the past and since the turn of the century, I'd say it's a top 25 film in the last 18 years. And like I said, I feel like it's a movie, if it's ages well after 10 years, I feel like it's a movie that's going to go on and will be analyzed for years to come. And I really feel like it's going to be one of those things where one night, We'll turn on the TV and like, oh, yeah, they're having like AFI, one of those film academies are like inducting it into its Hall of Fame. And they're making this big to do about this film that was just thought to be a Batman movie and turned out to be this incredible work of art. So I, I think it's highly influential. And I think that uh, there's still things that people can learn from it the more that they delve into it. Oh man, yeah, I think that I think that you're right. The influence of the movie is you even point out Winter Soldier. And I think it really did change the landscape of of how we can legitimately view action movies and especially comic book movies and even movies now like The Last Jedi, where you're 
you really are wrestling with these different sort of weighty characters mm-hmm. and questioning like what's right and what's wrong. All that stems from the Dark Knight, and I think I think it really did change how, it, even with the dollars that it raked in, it really did change how serious we actually take comic book movies because. Even this sort of, you can say like Big Bang Theory, like sort of commercialized, like nerd culture in a sense. Yeah. But this movie, everyone watched this movie and it grossed, you know, the trilogy, you know, worth a billion dollars. Yes. And, you know, even in itself, this movie is a billion dollar movie. It grossed like over a billion dollars from the box office. So, you know, it wasn't just people, quote unquote, who who are nerds or geeks or whatever. This was a part of American culture and American cinema experience. And I think that's something that it can hold over Marvel and the fact that, like, for Infinity War, as great as it is, you have to be invested in this MCU to actually fully grasp the weight of Infinity War. Yeah. You can legit just turn on, you know, the Dark Knight, not really knowing you can don't you don't even really need to see begins for the most part. You can just pick up where, you know, Batman is just beating up, you know, Scarecrow and, and I, just go. And I think that's actually one of the great things about this movie is Begins is a good movie, but I probably could count the number of times I've rewatched Begins on like one hand. Like it's yeah. not something I've I own it, and I've never really been like, let me watch Batman Begins again. But like you see, Batman Begins is on cable. I it's like, what scene is it? All right, I watch a couple minutes. All right, I'm gonna keep going. You see Dark Knight on cable, you're stopped. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so I think just. Um, just, you know, just that initial feeling of you know, leaving the movie theater at 2.30 in the morning, completely wild. Um, I think that just seeing the influence of the movie just on other, um, you know, just action and, you know, comic book movies in general. Uh, I don't think we get Logan um, without this. I don't think we get, like I said, because even... Even The Last Jedi, which, you know, it's not necessarily a comic book movie, it's still, you know, science fiction. Mm. And, you know, the the dynamic of Kylo Ren with his parents, like, you're not really going to get that. I don't think you really get that if we don't see, you know, Nolan sort of challenge these sorts of things. And, yeah, I and I think that the movie is so influential. And even even without DC openly celebrating it, the movie is so influential that it's undeniable. And so I think the legacy of this movie is that it should go down as the greatest comic movie ever. And while I mean we I think the quality of like Infinity War and you know Winter Soldier, I think the quality of those movies are better than The Dark Knight. But I think when you take into the totality of everything, 
and the influence that the movie had, I think is so undeniable that it it really can't be it can't be understated how great the movie actually is. Mm-hmm. And so, because I think it, it it was it basically planted the seed, and the seed sprouted to all these great things, and it, it basically you know took it and ran with it, and you know made it better. I just think because this is the original, uh, I don't think we can, we can forget the original, and so I think I still think we have to put it at number one. Yeah. So you you're just taking it over everything that's come after, saying it's your number one. I mean, like I said, like, I mean, if you ask me what's a better movie, like, what? <sighs> no, oh, I man. mean, I definitely see your points, but I mean, you just said you got to put it yeah. number one. I mean, I I just think just for the respect that the movie garners, I I think it has to be number one. Okay. Um. I mean, I love Infinity War. I love Winter Soldier. Because um, even emotionally, like, for me, Black Panther is just important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those movies and all their greatness, they still all have origins back to the Dark Knight. Yeah. And, you know, it just can't be denied. I, I like, because even, like... I mean, it's the originator. It's like it's it's the original. Like like I said, like you can make a remix. The remix can be better than the original. You can have generations that are better than the original. But you know, I think if you'd ask me the quality of movie, which is better, Infinity War or Dark Knight, I want to say Infinity War. And I saw Infinity War. Four times in the movies, I've only seen Dark Knight. I think I only saw it twice in the movie theaters. Yeah, so did I. Um, but even and I, I felt sort of a connection to these characters so much mm-hmm. that you know I felt something when Tony got stabbed, and then I felt confused when he lived. So I felt these things with these characters, but I didn't need to be heavily invested in Batman Begins to understand the scope and the you know the greatness of the dark knight if i don't if i never watched all those marvel films i'm not going to really understand you know why black panther disappearing in the movie is very just like oh damn like you know and seeing peter parker you know evaporate why that was very sad like you don't really get it and so I think because Dark Knight is a standalone, it can stand on its own. Even with it being a sequel, it's a standalone. The other the other movies, you know, MCU that came after it, they just aren't really that. And so while the Iron Man, the OG Iron Man, you know, that is a standalone. Um, but I, I would still, it doesn't have the same sort of psychological depth that Dark Knight has. And you can still see how they wanted to play into the, the cooler aspects of Tony. Mm-hmm. Because even if you think about it, look at look at Iron Man 3, you actually see Tony deal with the psychological damage of his trauma from um from Ultron. 
Yeah. And you actually see him deal with panic attacks and, you know, he's actually addressing psychological needs in this movie. That's all stemming from Dark Knight. And so, so yeah, I, I, I still got to give the crown to the, to the OG Dark Knight. Okay. I'm, I ain't mad at you. <laughs> I, I mean, like I said, I, I've already hit play on it for a second time. And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I'm definitely biased by everything the MCU does, but the only films in the Marvel, thing, Marvel Universe I can think that are standalones would be Iron Man. Um, I like to think Ragnarok is kind of a standalone film, too. Because it is. So, they, yeah, they, they veer so much away from Dark World that it, yeah. it, it is. Um, you, it can is. Even, you can even make an argument maybe Winter Soldier is, too. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. Yeah. Uh, because you just kind of pick up and it's the middle of a mission. All of a sudden, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s just going down. Like, you don't, you don't have to know Captain America's backstory. It's like, okay, the guy's Captain America. He has a S.H.I.E.L.D. He's a badass. Go. Yeah. You know? So the influencers are definitely still there. I, I'm, I'm gonna let you keep it number one though. I'm gonna still say top six, but I, I recency bias has definitely kicked in. But I can't say how much I'm enjoying just watching this film on silent while I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> man. On mute. Exactly. Yeah. So that if that that's enough convincing. If you if you want to have a good time. But you can't listen to volume. Turn on the dark night and you'll enjoy it there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you're not really doing that with fucking um, Justice League over there. No, that's for sure. <laughs> you can't do that with Dawn of Justice either. I don't care how good Affleck is in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was man. waiting for it. Uh, here we go. <laughs> this guy. So, uh, so, yeah, man, I think... Um, all the questions I had, we definitely covered in depth and full. And was there anything else you wanted to add about just your thoughts about Dark Knight that we haven't really talked on, or uh, just some? No, I, th- I think we touched on everything. I mean, um, no, no, man. I think I think you did a great job with your topics. That we we veered when we needed to veer. We went deep dive when we had to do that. So I am. Thoroughly pleased with, with with our conversation here. Anything else that you wanted to add? Um, I think we covered everything very well. Um, I think that you know we we looked at the characters, we looked at Nolan, we looked at his influence, and we looked at you know the time period it came from from then until now. And yeah, man, I mean, we we really did a, a very in depth job of this, and so. Like I said, like whenever it came out initially, it was my favorite movie ever. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, now, you know, I think I've sort of, I think I've sort of um, uh, revised the favorite of all time list. Uh, but I mean, I think, like I said, as far as the influence goes, you know, it's, it's, it may be one of the, maybe last catalyst movies where like, you know, we're seeing all these splinters from the movie and it just basically changes how, you know, these big budgets blockbusters can actually be. Yeah. 
So yeah. So so yeah, I mean DC get your shit together, hire Nolan, do the shit again. Like <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. For, pretty much. Um Yeah, so that that, ladies and gentlemen, is our tenth anniversary recap of the Dark Knight by Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale and Heath Ledger and Fuckface Oldman and Aaron Eckhart and <laughs> Mally Wonderful, I mean, um, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, <laughs> so, hope you enjoyed that. Hope it makes you uh, dig out that, those things called DVDs, or if you're like me, figure out your streaming options and get you some Dark Knight on your TV and revisit this wonderful film. Um, Marcus, you got anything you want to plug before we get out of here, before I say the the things I need to say, which ain't going to be much. I'm just going to get right to it this, this time. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, the Mark Rob, uh, T-H-E-M-A-R-C-R-O-B dot wordpress.com. Uh, the last thing that I've written it was about Star Wars and how... Uh, oh, that was uh, funny as hell, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I wrote about basically how Fan boys are fuck boys, and so mm-hmm. uh, people need to relax and like give Star Wars an actual chance. Um, before that, I wrote about you know just woman equality and us, you know, as men and just society in general. What are we going to do? And you know, what are we going to do about actually caring about women's rights and equality? Are we really going to do something, or we're we just going to talk each other to death? And so, I visited that. Um, the next piece I'm writing is about uh, Drake album, uh, Scorpion, the double disc album that just dropped about uh, two weeks ago. Uh-oh. Um, so I, I need to listen to that again. I haven't listened I to it. I do, too. I have listened to it in forever, so we got to see if it holds up or not, which, um, spoiler, it probably doesn't. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, so we're going to see what's popping off with that. And other than that, man, um, the only advice I have is, you know, laugh as much, think as much, read as much as you possibly can. Try to love somebody. Shit. (laughs) There you go. Try to love somebody. Shit. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) I love it. All right. So thank you for listening to the world's greatest podcast, Barack Obama Approved. Uh, You can find Hyphen Nation on hyphenpodcastgroup.com or hyphenuniverse.com. Wherever podcasts are sold, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode of the world's greatest podcast, Special Wins Powered by Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson, because you're guaranteed to get several hours worth of good content, which is what you got in your hand here. And you know what? I haven't gotten one complaint about how long these episodes go, Marcus, so we're just going to keep rolling with them because I think they're so damn good, and I think we get into it pretty well without being repetitive. Yeah, I and even rolling. if we do complain, I don't care. You can you can listen to it's Alapal. It'll give you a cool sixty minutes instead of two and a half hours. <laughs> 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 listen to listen to Eric and uh, some back back episodes or something until they relaunch season three. Um, if you want to get a hold of Marcus, it's at Show and Mad Love on Twitter. I'm at B hyphen on Twitter. Um, B hyphen at Gmail dot com. Or if you want to just email us all together. You can just uh, do hyphen podcast group at uh, gmail.com. Socials for hyphen podcast group are 
at hyphen pod group on Twitter, hyphen podcast group on Facebook, and hyphen podcast group on Instagram. Um, yeah, man. So that's about it. I mean, power of positivity is real. Get that negativity out of your life. No matter what that is, no matter what you have to do, do you. Marcus already gave you some words of wisdom. So without further ado, go watch Dark Knight. Rest in peace, Heath Ledger. Cheer. Thanks, y'all. I just saw fucking Ant-Man, man. Did you? Yes, man, yes. And, oh boy, that shit was fucking fire. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah, man. It was so good. It was. I mean, well, if we're live, we're not going to do any spoilers, but, man. Well, I don't, I, I don't know how many people are actually watching us, but let's go ahead and talk about it. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to edit... I'm going to edit it down for the actual episode anyway, so. Okay, are you recording it now then? Uh, YouTube's recording it, and then I'll, I'll just chop the audio from the video that's recording, so. Cool. So, it's definitely, I think it's the funniest Marvel movie I've, I can remember. And I, I figured out, like, how they're going to do part two. Did, um, so, you've seen it, right? Yeah, I saw it uh, last Thursday. Yeah, so uh, what do you what do you think about it? I loved it. I loved the first one, and I actually went to go see it with uh, with my friend Johnny Johnny Harmonic, and oh, yeah. uh, we we checked it out in three D, and it was it was awesome. Like I thought the first one was funny, but I thought this one was way funnier. I thought yeah. the action moved way better. Yeah, and. I just thought it was a better use of Paul Rudd's talents. The whole cast just got to shine, especially Evangeline Lilly. She killed it. Yeah, man. Like, um, I think it's, I definitely think it blows the first one out the water. Like, they've, I mean, Marvel has figured this shit out, man. Like, Marvel has totally, I mean, I don't want to say game the system, but I mean, they just learned that, like, look, we just need to have dope action and make people laugh. And yeah, like there yeah. was there were parts where I like cried laughing, like there were tears rolling on my cheek. That's how uh, when your your boy was uh, on the truth serum that they kept yelling wasn't truth serum. Oh, that shit was oh, that shit was funny. That was so good. <laughs> the, whenever whenever Paul Rudd was like leaving the school and he was getting into the van. <laughs> like that like i knelt over like that shit was fucking hilarious uh he was stuck between sides he was stuck like medium size yeah yeah man that shit was funny so i think what they're i think what they're gonna have to do is like to tie i mean obviously they're tying in everything to like infinity war part two yeah. but so <laughs> i think i think what they're gonna do is I mean, because, you know, like, he's caught into, like, the, the time vortex or whatever. Well, the quantum, the quantum vortex. Quantum or realm, yeah. Yeah, the realm. So, I think, <laughs> I think, the one, I think the ants are going to, like, get him out somehow. Okay. And I think with with the quantum vortex and the shit he collected, 
I think they're going to figure out how to actually uh, manipulate time through it. And because I don't know if you picked up on it, but um, Michelle Pfeiffer was like, um, uh, what'd she say? You got to be careful when you're in the realm because you may hit a time vortex. Mm -hmm. So if I think Zuri is going to be alive still, um, or I mean, and Van is going to be alive anyway. So I think they're going to figure out a way to like, well, you said Zuri, um, from black Panther. Right, the like uh um to child's sister. The, oh sure. I thought you meant Zuri as in uh the dude the killmonger killed um the Black Panther. Oh no, 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 no. To child's sister. Forrest Whitaker, I was like, wait, Zuri? What's Zuri no. got like this? No, okay, I'm with you, my bad. <laughs> yeah, so I think they're gonna figure out how to manipulate time like through the quantum realm. Okay. Which is gonna be I think gonna be interesting as fuck, so yeah, man, like that's. I kind of thought that too. I I should have seen the very the ending coming, with every, with every, all the all them fading away, but uh, I as soon as like they started talking about it, Michelle Pfeiffer had la- like lasted all those years down there. I mean, she had aged, but at the same time, it's like this is something feels like could be the answer, um, when when Avengers Four comes out, and then everybody faded. So the snap happened. And yeah. that just immediately ruined my mood, man. Every time I think about that damn snap, oh, it's, <laughs> it's so brutal. We haven't even talked about it on the pod because we still haven't gotten the brain trust together to do it. But, I mean, it's coming out soon on July 31st. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I've already seen it four times. I think we're going <laughs> to try to catch it one more time because, I mean, there's – I mean, you got to figure like there's going to be nothing like I'm never going to have like a a video home systems going to rival a movie theater. So absolutely not. So yeah, like I figure I might as well get in like one last time. Um, But it depends on if it's actually out or not. So you're not going to be like our our dude who's seen it like what eighty times now? (laughs) Hell no! Like that's like he. The only thing I can think of would be he went like immediately after work or before work. Mm-hmm. And nah, man, like I, that's just too much. Like I, I don't even listen to albums that back to back anymore. Like I can't right. go movies that long. So, I mean, and after a while, like, I mean, I figured like after the 10th time, Within like a week, like, like your system, your senses have to come numb to it. So it's like you're basically just. I feel like he has to tune out. Like, whenever, whenever Manus has like Thanos in the trance, I guarantee mm-hmm. he's thinking about, damn, I wonder if my paycheck right this week. Like, <laughs> like, like he's got his zoned out in some way, man. So. Absolutely. He, I saw he tweeted not too long ago that he was reading signs and stuff like in the background because he had seen it so many times. I'm like, what is the point? I mean, I get it. Yeah. Like, I, I would like to see Black Panther about 80 times in the theater. I can't lie. But yeah. Infinity War is so, was just so brutal for me. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it, it's, it's rough. It's, oh, man. It's, they just figured out a way how to really they understood like how we don't need to 
I guess, like, play into people's expectations, we can just amplify because everyone knows it's going to be a part two, but we mm-hmm. can still do these things that's going to make us feel something like whenever Tony got stabbed, like, everyone in the theater, like, lost, like, the, the air went out the room. Like, right. everyone was like, holy shit, this is it. Like, Tony mm-hmm. just got fucking stabbed. And then he lived, and you're like, he, what? He lived? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and yeah, man. So, I think, like I said, man, I really think they've, they figured it out. Like, they really know, like, we can be, we can be original, and we can take risks. And, but we can hire like the best actors to do the shit. And because even like Ant Man, like, I mean, because you would think a part like Michael Pena, like, uh, like that sort of part, like it could be like cheesy or just like if the wrong actor did it, like you just like mm-hmm. it just got just gets a guy off the screen or whatever. But Michael Pena is fucking funny as shit in like both movies. And they deserve like. They really deserve a lot of credit for seeing the vision. Like, look, like we we're going to get the best people, like, and we're going to tell our stories where we want to, and we're not going to be beholden to just like you know pandering into like the the crowds, or whatever. We're just going to tell what we want to tell. Yeah. And so I mean, when Black Panther got iced out in Infinity War, like that's why uh. I mean, like, they didn't give a fuck about Black people. <laughs> 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 they just wanted to get this shit popping so so yeah, MCU man. does not care about black people here we go they don't man they don't uh, but Diddy, Diddy <laughs> called out did you see Diddy was saying that Black Panther was a uh, was like a head fake by Hollywood and all they did was tease like uh all like black entertainment pretty much by doing this blockbuster movie but then not following up with anything else in the pipeline and just doing this one big movie I mean, I never, I didn't see that, but I mean, that's some. It's true to that. Think of, the funny thing is, think of you remember when Kendrick first dropped Control, and like every rapper was like, "Yo, I'm about to hit the studio. This is gonna mm-hmm. change rap forever." Like, right. uh, it was a moment, and everyone really felt the moment. So, I mean, I think Black Panther. I mean, it it was definitely a moment. And everyone's going to be waiting for part two, but it's going to be up to the other studios outside of Marvel to be like, look, I mean, black people have talent, like brown people have talent, like Asian people have talent. Like, let's just give them money to see what they can do. And, you know, let's let's get this shit popping, man. Like, I mean, because if we're looking just for Marvel to, you know, save black cinema, I mean, that's just going to ignore like it's going to ignore reality. Like there, yes. there are plenty of black people with plenty of stories to tell. And like, you know, whether you, you know, gay, straight, live in the city, live in the country, like even just through your non-black American, like if you're immigrant, your parents are immigrants, you know, just like our, our, you know, story is varied and, you know, you don't have to be a hip hop, guy or whatever like you don't have to even be an r&b person like you can just be a black kid just living your life and then all of a sudden you know shit gets shit goes left in a bad way mm-hmm. so i mean those stories deserve to be told and i think it's gonna it's gonna you know take hollywood to really look and be like look we saw black panther and we saw like black people gonna turn out for stuff 
so you know this movie about you know black people falling in love like maybe we can give that a chance now or we can make like a like a like a black version of like sleepless in seattle or <laughs> like yeah like i mean cuz if you think about it like i mean of in recent memory like even the last 20 years there hasn't even been really like a a black romantic comedy movie without being like too goofy or just like or even a black tr- like it's like any black movie is going to be either too goofy or have just some trauma just some <laughs> some fucked yeah. up trauma where you're, we're like right. we're dealing with the ramifications of slavery <laughs> and poverty <laughs> like our stories yeah our stories include that but they're not limited to just that yeah, so, it's not all tragedy and jokes. Yeah, like, like even okay, even for like, let's say your family, like you have, you know, your your wife and your kid, and you're living mm-hmm. a life. Like, we can just tell a story of like you and your daughter just having just some random adventure one day, and you know, it doesn't involve drive-by shootings. <laughs> no, it doesn't involve like crack. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah like, and involve food stamps yeah exactly like it can just be black people living just their black ass lives like yeah yeah so yeah man i mean i mean i mean we can say you know puff may be jaded which i mean he should be i mean hollywood hasn't you know you know hollywood hasn't really proven itself yet on a number of fronts that it wants to change anything right um but yeah, I mean, these next couple of years are really going to smoke out like who's for real and who's not. So, um, so yeah, man. I mean, I I would say Puffy is right so far, but you know, he's got to give it a chance. Yeah. So, speaking of Hollywood.